well in your beds. Because if this thing comes true, there ain't gonna be any more. It's an elevator. Somebody sent those dead up here to get us. Now, there's no controls inside, but there's maintenance overrides in there. I was wrong. We were so wrong. We must leave. Hello. Welcome once again to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Hey, Eric. How's it going, my friend? I am well. Excellent. That's always good to hear. And in the state of New York? Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? Doing all right. Can't complain. Still alive and employed, so everything's good. Healthy. That's all that matters. And in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you, sir? Good. Quick and simple. <laughs> good. G-O-O-D. Yeah. All right. So uh, for folks who are new uh, to this podcast, you, maybe you just found us or maybe you're a long-time listener. Either way, we've been around for 12 years, maybe. And who we are, we are part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. We are the original podcast on the network, and uh, we are the one that uh, has kept it going ever since. Uh, you can find the podcast on darkdiscussions.com, that website, or you can find the podcast wherever podcasts are found under the Dark Discussions podcast feed. So Stitcher, iTunes, or, or what is called now Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and so on and so forth. Uh, basically, um, what we do here, we basically talk about genre films. So horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, arthouse, midnight movies. Uh, foreign films, foreign language films, drive-in, theaters, grindhouse, and the like. So basically, we try to talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence. Today is November 3rd, 2022, three days after Halloween. And that date is given because some of our listeners, like Pam, are always curious when we record these episodes because sometimes they are not necessarily released immediately afterwards. Uh, but this one may get released quick. We don't know. Uh, it's pretty good timing to release it soon because it is a highly anticipated it, film by many people in the genre, uh, I guess, fan base. Uh, Eric, you're going to only the guy that did that is, was here to answer that question. Yes. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what that means. I'm confused. That, that means that you know the answer to what you just said. <laughs> Yes, yes, that is true. 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 Well, to speak of the devil, uh, the television uh, podcasts have just ended. 
So, there's a lot of free time to get all these podcasts released, including Cinema a la carte, Halloween, Boutique, Psychotronic Reviews, and the Doc Discussions backlog. So, expect a lot of podcasts coming uh, related directly to movies. So, yes, they're, they're, they're all coming out pretty quick now. Sweet. Yes, 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 indeed. Speaking of uh, our podcast, uh, last month we just missed 3,000 downloads which is uh, the largest of the year, and actually the largest since we switched over to our new hosting service. So uh, we greatly appreciate all the listeners that uh, come and uh, listen to our podcast. Uh, it's uh, greatly uh, honored to have you on board because uh, just like Friends, where they say that most people have maybe five great friends uh, and everybody else's acquaintances, uh, just like podcasts, Usually there is a uh, study shows only five podcast people listen to weekly, uh, which is uh, if we are part of that five that you listen to, we are greatly honored and we appreciate you. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, darkdiscussions.com is the website, as we mentioned. You can email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com or go to www.darkdiscussions.com and press the Contact Us menu choice on any page of the website, and a email box will pop up. Whichever way you email us, please put in the subject, and this is important, Dark Discussions Listener. If you put that in the subject, then we'll know it's specifically for the podcast because uh, we do get a lot of emails, uh, but a lot of, sometimes they're, they're spam emails that come in, unfortunately. And if you write Doc Discussions Listener, we'll know it's specifically a non-spam person. You're a real person that is emailing us, and we will read your email on the podcast. So that would be uh, very helpful. Uh, now, Eric, what else can people find on www.darkdiscussions.com? Well, Phil, <laughs> you can find a link to our Patreon account. Patreon is a service that allows you to financially contribute to your online artists like us. Producing this show is not free. Uh, we have to pay for things like web hosting and uh, domain names and computer equipment and movie rentals and so on and so forth. Uh, so if you'd like to help support us, that's how you can do it. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash dark discussions. Uh, and for every $5 a month that you care to donate, you'll have the opportunity to submit a topic for us to possibly cover on a show. We take all the submissions from our patrons and draw one at random on a quarterly basis. Uh, so if you'd like to support us, uh, that's how you can do it. You can go to patreon.com slash dark discussions or click on the Patreon badge on any page of darkdiscussions.com. Any and all contributions are greatly appreciated. Indeed, indeed. So uh, we greatly appreciate all the donations and for the handful of people that do, since there's not many of you that do donate to the podcast, we thank you. Um, all right, so that's pretty much uh, the house cleaning stuff. So with that, I think we can get into our topic tonight, and this is a, a uh, highly anticipated movie for the large horror fan base out there. And uh, Eric, what are we going to discuss tonight? Tonight, we're going to be talking about the runaway indie horror success, Terrifier 2. So, did you figure out what you're dressing up as tomorrow? He wants to dress up as a real guy who murdered nine people last year. Oh, you're not doing that. That's just a costume. You think that guy's still out there? What's up with you and this clown all of a sudden? You're, like, obsessed. 
They never found his body. What if he decides to come back here? I wouldn't worry about it. Wait a minute. Aren't you that guy from the costume shop? Sir, what are you doing? It wasn't me. He was covered in blood on his shirt and his hands when he got here. I'm telling you it was him, Sally. Right down to the little black dot on the tip of his nose. You're really weird, you know that? I believe him. About what? Something really bad's gonna happen tonight. No, I, I know when Jonathan's lying, okay? I, I could hear it in his voice. Something's, something's wrong. Look, we're gonna have fun. Mm -hmm. Stress-free environment. Yep. Speaking of surprises, kids, we have a very special guest with us today. All the way from Miles County. Please welcome Art the Clown. That's right. Terrifier 2 is a runaway indie horror success. It's uh, pulled in $8 million uh, on a budget of 250000 and it has a limited release at theaters, and limited in the sense that it's kind of bigger than a are you know a handful of limited release it's still getting uh two three four maybe even six hundred uh theaters nationwide which is uh actually pretty decent uh such as films like it follows when that came out and it suddenly became a big hit it expanded to uh a number of theaters but still never was a hugely wide release uh this film is similar to that and uh yeah, eight million dollars for a two hundred fifty thousand dollar budget is pretty insane. Uh the film uh was released early October but then came back to theaters uh for the Halloween uh weekend and the weekend before Halloween because of uh the high demand for the film. Uh the film uh didn't uh, have a production company like Blumhouse or something like that. Uh it was actually distributed by uh, the horror news website bloody disgusting and so to get the number of theaters that it did uh and to make the money it did uh all we can say is well done um the film is actually getting uh excellent reviews by uh uh critics uh it is at this time uh and i'm trying to find it because it is a crappy website to, to search here but uh, here let's see 88 uh, percent which is really good reviews for a horror film um, because usually horror films like uh, excellent horror film like sinister would only get like 50 something percent um, and this was reviewed by 50 critics uh, on uh, rotten tomatoes for, for aggregation and that includes such um, places as the Austin Chronicle and Paste.com and IGN and various other websites of note. 
so it's uh, actually getting received quite well by both critics and uh, moviegoers alike. So, uh, before we get into uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about it, uh, Eric, you actually have an interesting story related to uh, this, if not this film, the original film. And I remember originally, uh, your fr- this, is, this is like me with a couple of films too, like uh, Sixth Sense, the first time I watched it, I was like, an Avatar. I was like, yeah, those were all right. It wasn't that good because, you know, the hype. And then after rewatching it, both of those films, I was like, those films are damn good. And I remember Terrify, you were like, eh, it was all right, but the hype. And then after you rewatch it, you thought it was a pretty damn good film, the original. Uh, but you actually have a story that's even better than watching the film. What, what is that all about? <laughs> I do. Uh, and for those who have been listening uh, for years, uh, this is a this is probably a repeat. I probably told the story right after it happened, so apologies there. But this is for new listeners uh, and for Barrett. Because uh, Barrett has been very eager to talk about this movie, so I figured that he, <laughs> in particular, might appreciate my story about my encounter with Art the Clown. Um, this happened at a Scarecon New England uh, horror convention back in 2019, uh, which sadly doesn't appear to be happening anymore. Um, COVID killed the, uh, <laughs> yeah, yes. pandemic days. Yes, yes. Um, but uh, at this convention, um, we were there uh, with media badges, uh, and we had a table. There was a podcast room they had set up there, uh, and we also got to moderate some panels, which was fun. Um, and there were photo ops uh, that they were selling at the show, at this convention, and one of them was a photo op with uh, David Howard Thornton in costume as Art the Clown. So I paid for that. I had been moderating a panel across the building, um, so I had to hustle over to where the photo event was and ended up near the back of the line. So there were like a hundred people in front of me. Um, but one of the cool things, uh, is while I was in line, David Howard Thornton is very, um, uh, I guess protective of the character of art, the clown. And when he's in public in costume, um, he's pretty much in character. I mean, he didn't murder anybody, but, um, he was doing his, his mime shtick and, and, and would not speak. So, uh, he was doing that. And, uh, basically making everybody's photo unique um, with different props. And and some people brought things and some people had ideas for poses and he was willing to do all that. Um, So while I was in line, watching him just do photos with other people was keeping me entertained. Um, So I appreciated that. Um, And finally it was my turn. I got my photo with Art the Clown. Uh, And if you follow me on Twitter, um, that's actually the picture I use as my avatar on Twitter. So uh, after I got my picture, I went back to our table to collect my stuff uh, and went to go back to my room at the hotel and was waiting for the elevator next to this woman who was doing something on her phone. And uh, around the corner come Damien Leone and Art the Clown. Um, And just then the elevator doors open and Damien Leone like called out for to hold the elevator. So the, the woman got in the elevator. I held the door. Um, and that's how I ended up in an elevator with Damien Leone, Art Clown, and this woman I'd never seen before in my life. So we're in the elevator. And Damien Leone has a handheld digital camcorder. I don't know if he had just been documenting the photo shoot <laughs> or if it's a director thing and he just carries it with him everywhere he goes. Um, but he had it. Uh, 
And this woman in the elevator is doing, I don't know what she was doing on her phone, playing Candy Crunch or sexting or something, but whatever she was doing on her phone, she was completely oblivious to everything going on around her. So Damien Leone uh, raises his camcorder and like motions to Art the Clown and points at the woman. And so Art the Clown turns sideways and leans over at the waist until his nose is about an inch and a half away from this woman's head and just puts on his creepy art clown smile and is just frozen there. And she's just doing her thing on her phone. And like, <laughs> Damien and I are dying. We're trying not to laugh. Uh, we even like looked over each other like, oh my God, can you believe she hasn't noticed yet? Finally, after about five seconds, this woman like notices he's there and jumps out of her fucking skin. Um, I'm pretty sure she peed a little bit. Uh, so at that point art straightens back up and gives her a little wave and at that point the elevator doors open up and damien leone and art the clown go running out of the elevator and i hear damien cackle as they go around the corner (laughs) and the woman was pretty good sport about it she just like shook her head and went back to whatever she was doing on her phone uh and was still on her phone when i got off the elevator um but anyway, yeah, I got I got to watch Art the Clown scare the crap out of a random stranger, and it was hilarious. I wish you had you had photographed it too. It, it was one of those things <laughs> yeah. after the fact. It's like, oh man, I wish you I, weren't I ready for it. Phone. No, yeah. <laughs> I was not at all ready for it. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. So for folks who who are confused, uh, Damien Leone is the writer, director, and producer. Of Terrifier and Terrifier and makeup Two. Artist. What's that? And makeup artist. And makeup artist. That's right. And uh, uh, Dave, uh, uh, David David Howard Thornton, right? That's the guy. Mm-hmm. He he plays. He's the actual actor that plays Art the Crown in the films. And and uh, both of them were um, the part of the famous um, guests at Scaricon that that um that year and uh so we were all able to uh meet them uh in person and eric was able to not just meet them in person but got to ride an elevator and and, and watch them prank a stranger that was awesome <laughs> that was Indeed, so I, have to, I have to confess eric i stole that story i didn't say it was me that it happened to but uh at the screening of terrifier 2 i went to um which ended at you know, whatever, 11 o'clock at night, mm-hmm. you know, the handful of people stayed to watch the, uh, the post-credit making of trailer mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Uh, and they started talking because apparently down the road that weekend, uh, there was a horror convention where, uh, David Howard Thornton was going to be for a photo shoot in makeup as Art the Clown. Mm-hmm. So I volunteered your experience in recommending that they get the photo op if they can, because he does the photo ops in character. Ah, yeah. And not, not just in costume. Yeah. Uh, I didn't tell it nearly as well as I did not actually experience it. My memories were somewhat fuzzy. Um, no, it was, it was not, it was not cheap. Um, it was under a hundred dollars, but it was over 50. Um, but totally worth it. Yeah. Well, that's one I would get with art, the clown for sure. Well, well, you, you know, you know, I mean, uh, 
uh, as we as we know for folks who go to horror conventions, these photo ops do get expensive, but um, you don't often get to have a future horror icon in person playing it in person to get the photo op on. So, oh no, uh, it was yeah. great. I, I did not feel it. I, I had no buyer's remorse at all. It was totally worth it. <laughs> right. And yeah. when you consider that, and I am not justified, the price is outrageous. Then, then you find the price outrageous. I have no qualms with anyone who complains about the prices celebrities are currently charging for their, their pictures or autographs and so forth. Um, but it was Daniel Harris and a regular like autograph and selfie was, I think, $80 not a professional photo op, not in costume. Uh, and that was at the latest scares of care weekend in August. Prices have really shut up. So $60, uh, really all things considered is relatively reasonable on, on that scale of reasonable to outrageous. Uh, you know, it's not $400 for, uh, Harrison Ford or something. Right. Well, well and, it, and it depends on on who it is, right? Yeah. You know, for me, you know, it, it was Taylor Swift. I I dropped five hundred bucks in a, in a heartbeat. Well, but, you're kind of you know, psycho like that, but. Well, no, no, but but I mean, it, it's it <laughs> you depends can just on get her on, at the trial. You, you know, you know, like Daniel Harris. Uh, you have no, you know, I'd, I'd pay for te- uh, her autograph for maybe ten bucks, but uh, I mean, there's no like huge fan base for me for her. So it really just comes down to. What what you like, right? And, and what you think is awesome. Five hundred bucks. Yeah. I need a happy ending. <laughs> no, well, no, no. It, it's like this. Art, you it, might get like, one. I, I went I went to Adam Sandler's concert the other, other night, and he was r- ragging on some of the people in the front rows. He's saying, "You guys spent a thousand bucks for a ticket." So you know, people people will pay if, if you're that big of a fan. You know, so they will. It's 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 you know what floats your boat. Again, so like I said, it's all relative. Um, and I, by the way, I did get a chance to, uh, I was one that moderated the, uh, independent filmmakers panel and Damien Leone was on that. Uh, and this was right after they had announced Terrifier 2. And so if you're wondering if you have the same criticism, literally the entire planet did about Terrifier 1, uh, it was at that convention that Damien Leone just, when the, when the questions of Terrifier 2 came up, voluntarily turned to the crowd and shouted out, and this one will have a story. <laughs> well, and, 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 uh, so. and, and, and for folks who are curious, you know, Barrett was the one that really wanted to get this this recording done. And then me, Eric, and Mike uh, all met Art DeCon and Damien uh, Leon uh, uh, up close and in person. So our opinion on this film may be a little biased by one star just for that fact. Uh, so just keep that in mind. However, I don't think anything we will say tonight will be out of line or or uh, untrue uh, based off of our um, experience of knowing, you know, the, or uh, not knowing, but meeting those folks, interviewing those folks, and Barrett's uh, wanting to to record an episode on this movie. So so d- don't feel like we are going to overrate this film because of that. Well, I think that, you know, I'll point out, Phil, that um, you were, long-time listeners probably know that I'm a state rep for Scares That Care. I strongly support that, that charity organization, a big supporter of that organization, which said, hey, and one and the one of, if not the last movies he uh, uh, he started in, or was featured in, was the movie Death House, 
And uh, as much as I love Sid Haig, as much as I enjoy all, all the work that he's done, uh, we and we both got to see a premiere of that film in the United States at Scaricon, New England, in 2018, I think it was, maybe 2017. Yeah, uh, yep. I think we both thought it was a heaping pile of dog shit. How so, you, were, you know what? Yeah, so so we were fair on on saying that movie was crap. Oh, you're absolutely right. I will say though, Sid Haig's role in that film was the best scene in the film because we got to see Sarah French completely naked in that film, in that scene, and that was awesome. I have watched. And I've met, I've met film Sarah French a number of times in person and interviewed her. And what we see on the screen is exactly what you see in person because she is absolutely gorgeous. So it was it was a great scene, even though he the does movie interviews naked. No, no, but, <laughs> no, no. but 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 she um, is really cool, and and she's absolutely uh, put your boner away and move on, Phil. She's absolutely cool. <laughs> no, but I mean, look. So and, and my my opinion on Terrifier wasn't any different than than then than it is now. Uh, although I have been revisited it, so I, I, maybe it will, maybe it would like Eric. But, um, and that I liked what it did well, and I didn't like what it didn't do well. Uh, and I, you know, well, I'll give my review of Terrifier too. So I think we can remain unbiased here. Um, Indeed. Because a character isn't a story, isn't, isn't, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a character. And it's, it's a small portion of the whole thing. Yep, yep, and it's an yeah. iconic character. I, I introduced Art the Cloud to my six and eight year old uh, on Halloween, uh, without <laughs> actually. No, 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 I just showed him stills in, in the commercial. I, I wasn't going to show him the movie. That's I was going to say, what the hell is wrong with you? Hey, you're going to cr- hey, create but, Art the Clown if you're not hey, careful. Yeah, we, put, we, but, 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 but I put it this way: I'm not going to be bringing my five, year, six year old, and eight year old to see the movie Smile like you saw some woman. <laughs> That is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We 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 bust on you a lot, Phil, for uh, age appropriateness. Uh, Start mostly starting with Taxi Driver at age ten. Best film ever. But um, yeah, that one would probably get a phone call. So I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. My theater, they wouldn't even let anyone who was under age into the theater without an adult. And there were a couple kids dressed up like they were from Reservoir Dogs, and he he wouldn't let them. <laughs> oh, I'll t- I'll tell you one thing. I mean, I wouldn't let my kids see Smile after going to Smile and seeing that. If it is no fucking way, my my six and eight year old yeah. see that. No way I would let them see Terrifier two either. So, so yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But I will introduce them to the to the character because the character is a, a cool iconic character that is probably going to be the next. Uh, you know, uh, Pennywise or Michael Myers or Freddy or Dracula or whatever. And then when they're teenagers, you can hand them a barf bag and show them the movies. Yeah. Yep. Well, <laughs> actually, they probably would just laugh by that point because no, no one, no one is, <laughs> you know, the teenagers just laugh at this stuff nowadays. Or they cheer. This it. Was, they go, yeah. Well, this is, leads me into a thing I, we, uh, I posted on Facebook, or at least posted the picture on Facebook and got a thumbs up from both Damien Leone and David Howard Thornton. So yes, we're just name dropping constantly on this podcast. Uh, but you know, so I, I'm a class advisor at the school where I teach, and each class has to decorate, order the gym for the Spirit Week and the pep rally and homecoming and all the rest. And uh, the sophomore class had a spooky sophomores was their theme, and one student was had painted a picture of Art the Clown to hang up in the gym. Now, hardly anybody that works at the school probably knows who that is, which is how they probably snuck it in. 
<laughs> but I, 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 I approached the student while they were working. I asked about who had done the picture. I told them about sharing it and that Art the Clown liked it and the director liked it. And they were really thrilled about that. And then I asked, I just don't understand why a 15-year-old has seen Terrifier and you just saw a bunch of them like like shut up and their eyes kind of shifting and they're like, um, you know. Well, uh, and, so and it's, they're it's like, out oh, there. Crap, somebody knows what it is. You, you, you know, you know. Oh, goddamn Siri. Um, you, you know, the, the thing is, is when you see Kevin Bacon get his a knife through his throat in Friday the 13th, I, I, I would be shocked that any of us were able to see that when we were 12 or 10 or 13. So it doesn't surprise me that a 15-year-old would, would think, this is cool. Uh, oh, Terrifier 2. Yeah. Dude, I watched Taxi Driver. Where, where that was filled. Oh, my God. Here we go again. I mean, that was, I mean, come on. I mean, dude, dude, you, Mike, you watched the thing at theaters where, where people's heads are getting ripped off. I mean, right. So, well, I saw actually the first Friday the 13th I saw in theaters was part three. I'd seen part one in, but that was on like the, the home version. The, so it was the edited for TV content. Okay. But I'd seen, I'd seen three, four, five, everything. I think all of them after from three on, I saw it in theaters. And when three came out, I would have been 12 or 13. So right. uh, the, the, the fog came out in 79 uh, and I was eight or nine years old. I saw that in theaters. So, yeah, so I saw a taxi driver. Who cares? You got to see fog when you were nine <sighs> with, with, with sickles <laughs> and boobs, too. There was boobs in that. <laughs> they all had boobs. Then the Disney movies had boobs. Right. The rescue. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> yes, yes. Anyway, uh, but yeah, terrifying. The first one, uh, just the chainsaw scene is enough to like, holy smokes. Anyway, um, <laughs> all right. So uh, I guess we can get into uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. So uh, let's start with you, Barrett. Um, so I was late to the game with Terrifier, but I saw that maybe a year ago, year and a half ago. Um, and I loved it. And ever since I saw it, I was like, man, I hope they do a sequel. I, I love this film. It's not perfect. Um, but so I was anticipating if they ever came out with one of these, I wanted to see it in the theater if I could. Um, now that was a very close call because it was only in theaters here, a very limited amount of theaters and a very, very limited amount of times, but I was able to catch it. And, uh, I was one of four people in the theater, um, a guy and a girl on a date night. Yeah, get that. And then another guy who is a horror aficionado. He and I talked for a little while. Um, and I love this film. I think it's it's one of the most brutal uh, slasher films I think I've ever seen. Uh, it's definitely up there. It's got kill of the year for me. Um, and I just really enjoyed it. I thought the story was pretty good. Now, the one criticism that I have is that I think it was a little long. It could have been tightened up a bit. Um, and then after the movie, they showed an interview with, I think it was bloody disgusting um, and talked about the film. So that was kind of neat to see in the theater as well. So I'm really glad I got the opportunity to see it there. I really liked it. It's probably going to be my number one film of the year. Um, so there you go. All right. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. For me, um, yeah, I, I uh, watched it uh, know, last week or something, and uh, I heard about it because, well, we, we knew about Art the Clown. 
and and that was enough. You know, whether whether you liked the first film or not, Art the Clown was a potential iconic horror villain. And uh, based off of how this movie did, uh, it 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 may become true uh, as they come go out with a third coming up. Uh, that's what they're already saying. Um, for me, um, I'm, I'm a little different with Mike than Mike. Uh, I think the first film was way better. Um, the first film, I liked the two lead uh, girls a whole lot, as I did in this one. But I, I felt, uh, I, I, for some reason, I felt uh, it, fo- it, it focused on those two lead girls more than the lead girl here. This one, they kept on going to other characters and stuff. So um, it kind of pulled me uh, off liking this film as as much. Uh, also, uh, the, the original, I thought, was tighter. Uh, it was only 86 minutes versus 136 minutes for this one, so I'm, I agree with Barrett. Um, and uh, uh, the first one um, was... It just felt more compact. Uh, it, it felt like it took a less amount of time, a less locations, uh, and, and so it just felt uh, more um, cool to me. Um, and plus, once again, I, I like the, the two girls in, in that film a whole lot. Uh, even though this one, uh, the lead actress, was, was pretty awesome, too. Uh, this film here, um, yeah, it's a solid follow-up. Uh, it was really good. Uh, I was shocked how brutal it was, and that's saying something after seeing the first <laughs> one with a chainsaw uh, and a naked chick. So, yeah, this, this, this one was actually more brutal than the, the first, and that's crazy to even say. Um, but it, it was a really good film. Uh, if you like uh, an iconic monster, uh, Art the Clown in this film is awesome. Uh, the, the film uh, does have uh, more of a story, uh, even though um, I don't think the first one having no story was an issue because it was just a four-hour day in the night type of thing. Um, and um, solid film. It'll probably be a top ten horror film for me this year. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing this character come back. But I will say, I will say, and I think Eric mentioned this offline a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about it, uh, this film is not, or maybe it was you, Mike, uh, this film is not for everybody. Uh, it, Too true. It is, it is uh, I don't want to call it torture pawn in a sense, but you could, you could, you could throw it in that you know, category because even though we hate terms like torture palm and accelerated horror or whatever the hell it's called, those terms do exist and you know it when you see it. And this film is, would be probably tossed in that category. They, they called hostile um, torture porn. And That's I right. think this is, I think that was the first so, one that got that label. Yeah, this is yeah. so far beyond that. You can't even compare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so uh, this is uh uh, definitely, not, you know, this this would be a film. If my parents were still with us, um, I would be tempted to let them see it because they do like good films, even if they're extreme craziness. Um, but this one, I would say, eh, maybe not. I, oddly, I, I would probably let them see the first one before this one. Uh, but but yeah, it's definitely uh, a select audience. Uh, of normies, uh, horror fans, even some horror fans, it may be kind of shocking too. I mean, if you you have a a girlfriend and you want to say, hey, let's watch this film, they may look at you a little different if they're not expecting, you know, uh, Halloween ends, for example. So, just a <laughs> heads up. 
Uh, let's go with you, Mike. Yeah, so you brought up the term torture porn, and I, I've always hated that term because at least the quote-unquote torture porn films that I've seen, like Mortars, the Saw films, or uh, or Hostel, to me, had stories. Now, they may have been poorly told, they may not have been the best stories, they may have gotten lost in some of it, but they had stories that had point beyond it, beyond just torturing people. They were not like cases of death. Uh, where I felt terrifier too, I used the term murder porn uh, because, and I said I hated using the term, but it was the most appropriate thing I could think of because really it was you were there for the kills, and that was about it, or and really the the, the, the slasher, right? Um, there was no story; it didn't pretend to have a story. So it, while Art the Clown was great, the kills were great, the story was was threadbare like a porno, right? The story is you, you call the TV repairman and, you know, then watch the fun happen. So that was kind of where Terrifier sat with me. Um, and so I was a little disappointed given the extreme hype that film received. Uh, but I recognize Art the Clown is great and I had some great kills. And to me, my best, my favorite part of that film remains the uh, opening scene in the, was it a pizza place? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, those, those girls were so hot too. Oh my god. Yeah, that was not oh. why. No. Um, and you know, I have a similar scene in this film uh, that I also really enjoyed for similar reasons. But I just because it was one, and it wasn't that be, it was effective without being gory because I like my gore. Uh, it just uh, the, the film struck me as perversely funny and creepy. Uh, in this case, I think. This one, it's like I said, it's not for everyone. You not only need a, a strong stomach, you need a strong bladder uh, because of the length. Um, <laughs> this 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 may be the first time in a long time that the podcast does not go longer than the film that we're reviewing. <laughs> uh, but I saw an 8 <laughs> o'clock showing. I had to drive an hour away to go catch the 8 o'clock showing. Um, by the time it was done, you know, and by the time I got home, I think it was midnight. Uh, because I stayed for the the post credit thing and and which was fine EPK kind of material uh, electronic What's press that? kit oh, electronic yeah. press kit basically like yeah. fluff like telling you about the making of the film so uh, but yeah the film itself I really like and I had immediately thought of while I was watching it I thought of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three uh, and maybe you could brag in uh, Friday the Thirteenth. I think, in that it's expanding the mythology and giving the villain a, a, a protagonist, right? It's giving you a hero. That's right. Like Freddie, Freddie always had like a, a story to him, but the 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 son of a thousand maniacs or a hundred maniacs, you know, the the the, the son of the rape nun uh, was what was added there, and they gave you the dream master, uh, dream warrior, which led to the dream master, and you know, so they started fleshing out the Freddy mythology and, and finding a chosen one who would rise up to fight him. And this film kind of does something similar to that. Um, and, and I enjoyed that. I kind of enjoyed the fact that you saw them laying down uh, this, the, the groundwork and they don't answer everything. They don't explain everything because there is going to be in all likelihood, a terrifier three that will further explore exactly what's going on. But I think there's enough there for, any audience that's seen more than two stories to put the pieces together. So I like this quite a bit. It is not going to be my favorite film of the year. 
a strong contender for top 10. Simply, uh, the, the, again, a little long in the tooth, but I can't say while it is long, I can't say I was ever bored by it. I can't say that I, I found myself checking my watch a lot uh, or that I lost interest. Now, I have no idea how that's going to sustain on um, uh, repeated viewings or watching it at home as opposed to a theater, which helps focus your attention, at least helps focus my my attention. So, but I definitely give it a strong recommend with the obvious caveat that like you don't bring a date to it <laughs> unless you know that date is really into uh, the other stuff is like really into some like strong stuff. If they haven't, if they've watched Martyrs, they should be fine with this. Um, <laughs> but if, if not, if they're like, you know, they're, they're going to judge you for it, then a consider a new relationship, but B just, you know, just, just go watch it yourself. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Uh, let's go with you, Eric. Um, this is there's been buzz about this movie for literal years. Um, uh, it got postponed a little bit because of the pandemic. So I've known about it for quite some time. Um, I'm a fan of Art the Clown, obviously, from my story earlier. Um, and I went into this uh, knowing that there was going to be a story and looking forward to that because that was my main criticism of the original movie on my first view. Uh, was that there wasn't much of a story. Um, so I'm kind of somewhere in between Phil and Barrett uh, in that I agree that it was a little long and could have been trimmed a little bit, uh, but I really did appreciate the presence of uh, some sort of uh, narrative. So uh, in regards to what Mark, Mike was saying about a Terrifier 3, um, I was just reading something earlier today that apparently Damien Leone did a, a director's commentary uh, for Terrifier 2 for the Blu-ray in which he explains everything and now is saying that there are plans now that there are plans for Terrifier 3 after the wild success of this one um, that he kind of regrets doing that um, so if, if you want to stay unspoiled for Terrifier 3 uh, maybe skip the director's commentary on the Blu-ray uh, I'm going to watch it because I'm into that stuff um I have my own theories on what some of the stuff in this movie means. We'll get into later. Um, the gore in this movie is second to none. If you're a gore hound, this movie is for you. Um, I'm <laughs> not a gore hound. Uh, and while I can appreciate um, makeup artists and uh, the art of making gore. Uh, <laughs> see what I did there? Um <laughs> There's something about the way Damien Leone does violence that <laughs> that offends my core. Um, I, I don't know what it is because um, I'm a seasoned horror veteran. We've been doing this show for over a decade. It's not like I haven't seen Gore before. Um, but there's something about the way he does it that's just so brutal that uh, even though I can I, I can appreciate it. There's part of me that while I'm watching the movie is just going, oh, God, why? Uh, <laughs> so it, it was a little rough for me at points um, uh, just because I can't turn off that. Uh, it's, it's almost like a, a, a carnal nature uh, that just uh, wants to run away from from that. Uh, and ultimately, I, I think that's a compliment. Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> but it was a little little rough going for me at some points when 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 the violence got ultra violent. Um, but um, I love Art Clown. Um, I really enjoyed the lead in this movie, uh, Lauren Laverna. Lavera, sorry, I pronounced that wrong. Um, and I'm looking forward to getting behind the spoiler wall so we can talk about some stuff. Yeah, yeah, she was awesome. Oh, and her outfit was the fantastic, great, great outfit. You know, you know what it makes me Settle think down. of is uh, if if you've ever seen the movie The Aristocrats, Aristocrats, yep, yep, yep. Uh, where, they, where it's all about telling the like the the comedians and the whole point of the Aristocrats is just to tell the joke, dirtiest joke they possibly can. Yeah. Um. But it's really it's it's a comedian's joke. It's a joke that comedians would tell other comedians, like they would never like Jerry Seinfeld would never have rolled that out on his on his tour, uh, because it was just way too filthy. And so I think some of what Damien Leone does, it feels like the aristocrats version for horror fans, where it's just like, what's the worst grossest hill you could possibly come up with that would you would use to tell to other horror fans? To gross them out, uh-huh. but you would never actually stick in a real movie, except that he does it. Like you know, he just knows that this is a this is a thing that's going way too far, you know. And he said, "But but I'm going to go there when when most other horror films and franchises would not would not dare do it." I also think a part of it is um, art's reaction to it that art is doing yes. with, with with he a, is rather uh, gleeful. <laughs> um, like Freddie, like say what Freddie had creative kills, uh, and he was clearly having fun doing it, but he didn't like just brag them out. It wasn't like uh, watching a cat play with a toy in the uh, a mouse. Yeah, there's in the same there's something yeah. there's something cruel in the nature of the kills in the terrifier movies. Ripping a chicken wing right. off. <laughs> yeah, and it, now it, um, it may be that there is something broken in Damien Lone's head, and. You know, one day there's going to be we're going to hear about an FBI raid on his home. I have no idea, um, but I I have always been someone who says you know we all have these dark impulses and we have these these we have these filters that prevent us from following through on them even if we really do uh, do kind of have them. And I think as a as a horror fan, a horror vet, he's honed his darker sensibilities. But again, he's he's ignoring for the sake of this film. He's ignoring that internal sensor that I hope to God he actually has. Because uh, <laughs> he understands that there are things, places you don't go in polite society. Um, and that's that's the appeal of the franchise. I think of it, and that's what makes art unique, right? Is that art is uh, art has this level of sadistic cruelty and this childish glee with which he does here. And uh, uh, and and he just began to realize just how despicable uh, a being he is. This you know, is true. He's not, he's not Michael who just kills and moves on, or Jason kills and moves on. <laughs> this is true. Um, this is true. And, it, and he drags out to death. Like, even Freddy, Freddy would torture a little bit and then kill you. He is torturing while killing you. Right? <laughs> yep. And all without one word. No, that's, yeah, that's just the other. But I also, the thing that really I fascinates me about art is I want to know what he uses for laundry detergent. <laughs> <laughs> Some good shit. 
<laughs> oh yeah, because you know the the film picks up where the last one left off, and so he's still in the same blood drenched outfit from the first film. And then in one of my favorite little scenes in the film, uh, visits a laundromat. <laughs> hey, and it's back to sparkling white. Clean. Yeah. Oh, so it was, that was fun. Um, anyhow. Anyway. And I think I've got my theories as to how some of this is going. Um, but we'll talk about that when we get to the film. Yeah, it is. Indeed. All right, so uh, that's pretty much our review. Uh, Eric, do we have a wiki or IMDb? Wiki, wiki. After being resurrected by a sinister entity, Art the Clown returns to the timid town of Miles County, where he targets a teenage girl and her younger brother on Halloween night. All right, teenage girl. I didn't. I, I didn't get that. I, for some reason, I thought she was college or, or twenty something. High but, school. Yeah, she was in high school. We <laughs> saw her right. in the high school. Yeah, yes, I, I, she wasn't right. in high school. You're right. And, I and, that. and we were never given any impression that she had been left back. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's true. That's true. Again, I, I it was like a week. It wasn't and like a, an Eddie Munson. In a, it was like a week and a half ago that I watched it, and every time there was a kill, my mouth dropped, and and I was going into tunnel vision, so so I could forget certain <laughs> things. Yeah, actually, uh, I I wanted to mention that too. I haven't. It's been a month since I've seen this, uh, so I may be a little fuzzy on details. But I'm hoping that those of you who've seen it more recently. Or repeatedly. I don't well, it's, know been, it's been a couple of weeks for me because uh, the first two weeks this movie was out, it was not showing near me. Uh, and then in week three, Phil sends me a text. I'm like, is like, hey, I think it's showing in your area. I was like, well, that would be weird. But lo and behold, it was. I guess they, they expanded to some theaters that had not previously had the movie. So I got to see it. That was cool. No, I have been watching it again um, in terms of looking for the, the show time since I'd seen it and I'd stopped looking to find Showtimes for other people that were wanting to see it, because uh, I know, like, I checked for Barrett and uh, I checked for you, Eric. But yeah, I was like, nope, Eric is in a a pothole of morality and decency where they're never going to let their terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's but, actually really unusual because because there's a theater around here that usually has all the limited release movies. Like, I just, I don't know if you're aware of this movie that came out this year called The Watcher, uh, starring Micah Monroe. I saw it. I saw it on Shutter. Yeah, well, that was a limited release. I saw it in the theater because my theater had it. <laughs> so it was, it was really weird to me that it didn't have Terrifier 2, but then ultimately it did. So, yay, I went. But my, my, my being, she's the best. Um, the best. What I thought so was left. weird is that they were they were airing it on random, it felt like random times, right? It was like, we're going to air it Thursday night and then again Sunday night, but not Saturday or Friday. Uh, and then maybe on Tuesday. How about Tuesday? Just not, and, and every theater was different. Every theater had it around me, uh, and most of them did, but they all had it um, on a different night, and I thought that was weird, which made it that, that much harder. It's not like, you know, you say, well, okay, I can't see it tonight. I can see it tomorrow. Oh, wait, it's not playing tomorrow night. Why isn't it tomorrow night? Damn, that, is it a one night only? No, it's, it's, it's like three nights a week, but three random nights. <laughs> Well, this this movie has been uh, a box office success, and I actually listened to uh, – I've mentioned this before. Um, every Sunday, Dave, David Chen, one of my favorite podcasters, um, does a Twitter space with uh, Scott Mendelson, who up until this week uh, wrote for Forbes. Uh, he just oh, left that job, so I don't know if they're going to be doing that anymore. But anyway, 
Um, the producer uh, of Terrifier 2, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, uh, was was actually in the space uh, and, and they invited him on stage and, and he talked about um, the success of the movie and how it, it took all of them <laughs> by surprise. Um, like they were, they were, they were hoping to, you know, uh, have some moderate success. Uh, but the fact that they were able to expand to additional theaters and everything was such a shock to them. Uh, they're all just uh, over the moon uh, about how successful the movie has been. It's been beyond their expectations. And let's put this in perspective. Last I checked, it made something like $5 million. Um, eight is the latest number. Okay. So it's up to eight. And this is a movie that had like a, like a couple hundred thousand dollar budget. Yeah. $250,000 Indiegogo funded. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is, this is, this is a thing. It was not produced by Warner brothers or Paramount or, or believe it or not, not Disney. Um, or your universal it's uh it was not halloween ends didn't have a huge promotional campaign what it had is a dedicated base of 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 fans uh who are eager to see this in theaters and you know they were willing to pony up and show up and look i never i don't i haven't heard of any packed screenings but you look at these multiplexes that have you know 10 screens 15 screens 20 screens one of those screens is showing like the the last week of something in the final week of its run, and it's going to have nobody in the theater for half its showings. You know, an attendance of, of 20 people is going to be better than an attendance of one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it's, it's maybe opening up a model and will give other films a chance to be seen in theaters uh, well, that have a limited appeal. And this, this might be a model for indie films uh, in general, because uh, everything everywhere all at once that came out earlier this year uh, ended up getting great reviews. And after its initial release also expanded the number of theaters it was in um, and ended up being very successful. Um, So, so maybe this is, this is a model uh, for independent films to kind of test the water. uh, And if it's working out, uh, expand to more theaters. Yeah. But I mean, every, every, everything everywhere all at once was also, you know, starring uh, Michelle Yeoh and, uh, produced by the Russo brothers who directed, you know, Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War. So it had a little bit more muscle behind it than David Leone and... Well, that's fair. Uh, but at the same discussing. time, most people, if you asked that title to them, and they'd be like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. I, I grant <laughs> that. <laughs> anyway. Moving on. All right, so um, what we do here on Dark Discussions for folks who are new or even those who are regulars, uh, basically what we do is we talk about um, everything and anything related to the film. So we'll have spoilers and all sorts of other things, uh, but at a certain point, we, we, we will do that. So we throw up a spoiler alert prior uh, to doing that, because what we do here on Dark Discussions is not just review, but we critique and dissect the film as well. Uh, as we said, there's a, as Mike said specifically, there's many things here that we may have an idea what they're trying to say and what he's trying to mean. Uh, basically, try to figure out things even before the director's commentary comes out. Um, but before we do that, we talk about general stuff. So some of the stuff we'll talk about prior to throwing up the spoiler alert is will art the clown 
become a horror icon in the vein of Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy, and all the rest of them. What do you guys think? What's that yes. there? Well, yes. uh, this is this has come up, <laughs> uh, and quite frankly, uh, I don't think he'll be as big as those guys because just the atmosphere is not the same now that it was in the eighties uh, when those characters originally hit the silver screen. Uh, I think that was a time and a place uh, where those icons were created, and I don't know if it could be replicated. Uh, but that being said. Uh, he is certainly getting a uh, place of stature within the horror community. Uh, and I think folks who are into hardcore uh, gore horror movies are certainly going to elevate his stature. Let me ask you a follow-up, Eric. Uh, in the 90s and going forward, Ghostface suddenly became popular. And uh, during my child's, uh, my two ch- children's uh school Halloween parade that they had outside and all the 400 students or whatever there were that walked out with all their costumes. There was more ghost face than any others. And then of course we know Pennywise who's fairly new, uh, at least, well, he's not new, but I mean, he suddenly reappeared as a horror icon, uh, after these last two films that he appeared in, maybe it's getting back that way. What do you think? Well, uh, those no, also I, had very recent releases with those characters in there. Right. And Spirit of Halloween will pay for the license to make a costume of just about anything. Um, and I'm pretty sure if you went, you could find a Dark Discussions costume in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> this year. But, um, well, here's the thing. It's easier to shave your head. And, and, I've, and I've, I've told, um, uh, well, this is also, you know, every year I, my, my, my room is uh, adjacent to the elementary school. And they have their Halloween parade and you get to see the kids come by every year. And I laugh because I see kids dressed up as Freddy and kids dressed up as Jason, you know, and, and Michael Myers. And these are all the films that the uh, moral majority was insisting were corrupting the youth and corrupting the soul of the country. And they've just turned into the modern Dracula and Frankenstein. None of these kids have seen those movies. Um, and this year there was a kid marching down, you know, in like fourth grade or something. There was even a leather face. Or Mike. Yeah, there's a leather face. So there's a kid marching down this year dressed up as um as sam from trick-or-treat now do i oh, think we have sam's too yeah yeah so do i think he's seen trick-or-treat no but sam i you, you walk into 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 spirit of halloween there is a corner of merchandise set aside for trick-or-treat um the character has become bigger than the film upon which he's based the film that only recently hit theaters this year because as a as a as an anniversary showing you know this was a film that came that was I think scheduled for release in like 2009 yep, and, got and then just ended up going, getting shelled and going straight to, 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 to theater, uh, straight, straight to video. Um, so I have a feeling art. The clown is something similar that kids will see the costume. Adults will wear it. It's an easy costume. It's an evil clown costume. So you don't even really need to explain what the hell it is. That art. The clown is, a, you know, the <laughs> it'll, of a, it'll scare the hell out of people, whether or not they know who art is. <laughs> exactly. And and then there will be people who know it, and then people will see it. And I, I'll, I'll compare it to um, another one, which is um, Captain Spaulding, uh, Sid Haig, speaking of. Sid Haig from House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, how many people have seen that film? Not many. But you can see the costume. You can see the character. You know, you can buy the mask. Oh, yeah. Spirit um, of Halloween had all that stuff. And my kids know know all those Rob Zombie stuff. Right. And I just went to uh, the the local, um, which is put on by a bunch of high school students and, and uh, 
uh, our math teacher and her husband local haunted house and they had a, a little clown maze and there were there was uh, some day glow pictures of the, the Hague on the wall so you know that's those images were out there I think the image of Arthur Clown will be uh, will be there he will not be in the same category as um, or, or it'll take a very long time for him to get into the same category as some of these others um, the fact that he can be easily confused, confused for a generic evil clown both helps and hurts, I think, for him. Uh, but I'll think he'll, he'll he'll get there. He'll be a you know he'll be more of a, a, a probably a B list. You know he won't be Frankenstein, Dracula, Jason, or Freddy, but he might be Chucky. You know he might be um, you know Sid Haig or Sam. I think he'll be at that level. And if you're gonna dress up as Art the Clown, you got to do the little hat. Because that's what really what the only thing that tips it is being art instead of no another, no, just no there's scary one clown. other there's one other what's it's that like the little the little the urethra on the tip of his nose <laughs> okay got <laughs> to give him a little pee hole I don't think that's what it is it's just well, so it's distinctive it, it, it a... just gives him a little it makes his nose a little phallic is all is my point. <laughs> Character is so distinctive. I just think he stands out so well that it gives him a. Well, the character is is acted by David Howard Thornton. I certainly agree, um, as worn by your everyday person on the street. Not so sure. Right. I think the 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 skill of his mime shtick goes a long way to making art art. Yeah, I, I think you put it, you know, Art the Clown on a costume on a five-year-old, and it's just going to be adorable. <laughs> now, when they when the when the the kid tells you that his favorite scene was the one where they saw the woman in half at her vagina, that's when it becomes creepy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, all right, uh, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, back to Art the Clown being iconic in art, uh, it may take a little while, but he's beginning, uh, eight million, uh, after two movies, uh, made for nothing, um, you never know, the next film may get a wide release, you know, someone will say, ooh, that pulled eight million in that limited amount of theaters, Blumhouse may say, I'm putting that one out, you never know. Am I right to think that? No, you're not, uh, because this film is unrated, and an unrated film will not get a wide release. In order to get really a wide true? release, they have to unrated? do an actual rated R, which means they'll have to dial back what people like about this movie. This was this was unrated, huh? I did not yes. know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, then I'm surprised it even got into theaters. Exactly. That's yeah. why it's such a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. That that's a fair point, Eric. That's a fair point. Um. So that's that's it makes it even more impressive. And don't get me wrong, that, these things I'm saying, I, like, it makes it sound like I'm rooting against the Terrifier franchise and Art the Clown. I'm not. I'm really not. I I love to see them successful. I'm just being realistic. Sure, sure. Yeah, and that, that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. I think it's fair to say that Terrifier three, when it happens, will almost certainly get a theatrical release, even if it's in a limited 
window because of the performance of this film. And the only question mm-hmm. is whether they will take this this lesson and apply it to the others. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Uh, what about you, Barrett? You you haven't said much. Uh, you did right off the bat. You said, "Yeah, it's definitely he'll become iconic." But uh, well, uh, I, I said, "I think he's so distinctive. That's what helps his chances. He's different from all those other already iconic characters." Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I I think he's got a good opportunity to become iconic, and you know, I don't know if people wearing costumes makes them iconic, but. I was going to raise that point too, Barry. Yeah, for horror fans, I think he could become iconic. Right, right. Well, and and as Mike mentioned, you know, uh, if someone like Spirit of Halloween, Spirit Halloween, Halloween Spirit, or whatever the name of the, sh- the store is, thinks it's uh, profitable, you know, it will see his costume suddenly pop up everywhere. You never know. So. Well, the costume things, although I think you're harping too much on that. Um, when you say iconic, uh, I'm talking about like if you mention Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger yeah, to just your normal everyday person, they know who you're talking about. Okay. Um, at this point right now, if you mention Art Clown or Normie, you know, they're, they have no idea what you're talking about. Is Art Clown going to get to a point where you can mention them to an everyday person and they're going to know who you're talking about? I'm not sure. Um, I hope so. I, I would love to see it happen, but I don't know if well, we're going to just because the of the time we live in and the nature of the movies. It, yeah, the level of violence, I think, makes it a little, makes me wonder about it a little bit, just because, you know, some people well, might think, not want to tell other people <laughs> what it's about. <laughs> well, I think that's, though, the difference between the character being iconic and the film being iconic. Like, you can name an iconic film. Doesn't mean that any of the characters have necessarily become iconic. You know, like... um yeah. Uh, you know, Phil, you love Lawrence of Arabia. It's an iconic film, but you know, you don't see anybody cosplaying as the characters from those films at Halloween. <laughs> um, and similarly, you know, it, it's, you, you can get um, characters that are iconic. Like I mentioned, Sam, people are starting to recognize him and they may not know the name. They may not know who he is, but they know the image. And so, and and people may know the image without knowing the name. Um, I'm sure, like where, for example, the uh, you know a movie logo, right? A movie like uh, like the 20th Century Fox logo or the uh, or the Columbia Pictures logo. You know they 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 or a logo for a um, McDonald's, right? You know we we recognize those images, and sometimes I've seen things for logos for things I recognize. I have no idea what product is they belong to. I just recognize the logo. Because I've seen it on ads or I've seen it pop up, but I have no particular association with the product. So I think there's different levels of iconography, and I think it's he'll be at the I know the the picture if I don't know the name of the character. Sure, sure. Um, th- let me ask you this question. Uh, so, uh, go off to the side for a second for a, a different topic. Um, now we live in a, a very strange time where um, you know you have, we have the Me Too's and believe all women and all that stuff. And then we have Instagram where everything there is, is basically uh women exploiting themselves. And with horror films in the past, we've, we've said, we've heard people say, Oh, they're misogynistic and, and violence against women and all this. And, and then out of the blue, uh, such writers as Jack Ketchum 
and stuff where they wrote some some pretty horrific stuff uh became at least mainstream to a very large liberal and and I say liberal meaning meaning i guess politically um author community because you know most of the author folks that i I know through the horror community that uh, i've I've written some short stories for are are generally liberal and and they look at Jack Ketchum as a hero while you know normies would say, "Oh my God, this guy's his stuff is horrific, similar to terrifier too um and yet they're very pro woman pro equal rights pro um you know believe all women and stuff so for this film here with the the violence and and you know the first one especially where with the chainsaw scene for example and then this one you know they're, they're you know like all horror films you can say yeah but there's a, a, as many men that die as women but there, there's i remember when descent came out which is one of my favorite and eric's favorite films and probably you mike and you too barrett where people are saying oh my god it's this is misogynistic because all the women getting killed and blah, blah, blah you know well then you had an s- argument for that film yeah you know, i've never heard that too. Which, which movie I, I i missed the title that you cut out descent, descent. Uh, oh, i heard yeah, i yeah. heard it in many articles i read it in many articles i'm not saying we ever argued about it but there was arguments that it was misogynistic and then there was other articles saying why are people saying it's misogynistic when it's all an all woman film and 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 you know and it was just because it was new that all woman starred in a i guess an action horror film so what what, what well, do you guys... I, I mostly what i saw was that it was you know a refreshing thing and i saw the 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 people that you would maybe consider to be you know the 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 pro female crowd you know were happy to see it because women got their own film they got their version of the thing, which you know was the thing was two hours of sausages. Um, right, and well, I don't remember anyone well, complaining that that was that was uh, misandry. Well, was that it was two hours of, of well, men being murdered? Well, well, I don't. I don't want to talk about dissent. But my point is, is that we we have this weird thing in today that people are on opposite sides, and yet when it comes to horror films back in the day they would they would either frown or not now now i don't know i'm just trying to say is, is what do you guys feel about this film with its violence specifically well, against a woman and and yet people in the past would be horrified and yet now they wouldn't but in the real world people are horrified so it's it's just a weird the whole situation let me jump in here Please. um First of all, sawn half by their vagina that I missed. Hang on, on. let let me get in here. Please, Eric. Um, First of all, Phil, I'm going to say you're. I I think you're a little hypersensitive to discussions of this nature, Um, and I think you're. You might be amplifying uh, the issue on whole a little bit more, um, or or exaggerating the the nature of the the two sided uh, opinions. Um, Because yeah. No matter what movie comes out, no matter what movie, you know, <laughs> who's talking about it, there's always going to be people who have different opinions. Um, as far as misogyny goes, um, yeah, people have said that about horror movies for decades. Um, and I don't think it's true all the time. I think it's true sometimes. <laughs> uh, and also, I don't think um, that an entire movie is necessarily misogynistic, but there can certainly be moments 
that are misogynistic, like the one you keep on bringing up from the first Terrifier. I don't think I've ever seen an act more misogynistic in my life. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I think uh, sometimes a moment like that gets burned into people's minds. Uh, and I don't think that's necessarily a wrong reaction. Um, but yeah, um, different, basically what it comes down to is, is, you know, it's, it's not going to be for everybody. Um, if you don't enjoy seeing women getting murdered, you probably shouldn't be watching horror movies. because uh, <laughs> it happens. Well, um, to be clear, this movie does have guys get killed. So yes, yes it does. That. Um, almost every horror movie does. Almost every but, horror movie but does. But in general, in general, and this is a generality, not 100% of the time, uh, but in general, even though men do die in other movies, for instance, Friday the 13th, um, the people criticizing the movie don't just, they just ignore that to make their argument of it being misogynistic. Um, which is, I think the point Phil was trying to make. Am I yeah, right? Well, and I think yeah. I, I wish people could accept that it's just a damn story. Yes. It doesn't have to have this underlying meaning you're trying to put into it. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I like Eric's point, which is, I guess what I, what I was thinking without actually able to, to, put it into words which is people point to just the woman's deaths because it it furthers their own personal arguments agenda or, or whatever agenda, yeah narrative mm-hmm. yeah yeah well yeah, because, you know they I mean, say the kevin bacon murder in friday the 13th spoiler alert for a 50 year old movie for almost <laughs> um, that that was pretty horrific, and that was like one of the most horrific scenes I ever saw when I was a little kid, and you know sneaking to watch that film, you know when my parents were sleeping, and and that left uh you know um was burned in my mind more than say the the woman that got killed in that film. But like you said, Eric, that people have agendas and they just point to the woman murders and say, look, horror films, it's anti woman, and so. I think that may be what, what's really going on, and, and it's not even really a big deal, except for those folks who have that agenda. The folks that try to make it a big deal. Yeah, Two right. of my well, favorite movies this year, Women Are the Heroes. I mean, Barbarian and this one. Mm-hmm. But, but well, I, 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 that's another thing that's interesting about horror films, right? The final girls are usually heroes. And, and of course, they, they ignore that point, too. Again, it comes down to agenda, I guess. But go on, Mike. You were going to say something. I'm well, I was going to say that there's a couple of things. So, number one, there's the, the old saying that uh, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Uh, yeah. Right, right. When, when, you're, when your political cause is uh, violence against women or, or misogyny or what have you, then you will start to see it everywhere. And that's, I think, one of the dangers of us focusing so heavily on certain things is that it goes from finding in issues of prejudice or, or, or whatever it may be where it may not actually exist because you're looking for it and you're going to find it. And humans are really good at seeing shit that ain't there. It's where you know we get all of our, our superstitions from. Um, so you, you want to be careful with that. You should always be on guard on that and, and not assume bad intent on people that didn't have it. Um, the other thing is that... Um, Many writers will talk about being blamed for the actions of the villains in their books and not understanding that they were made the villain for a reason, mm-hmm. you know, and like that somehow because that they were just using the villain as an excuse 
to inflict violence upon women or murder Jews or whatever it is that's happening in the story. And it just, no, it's they're villains. <laughs> you know, it's we're made yeah, that guy does bad things that are bad. You know, yeah. and that's why I yeah. made them the bag. If I made the hero like the rapist and the murderer, then you might have a point. But yeah. I don't. And then the other thing is, I think a lot of that is stemming back from uh, the early days of the slasher genre, which means the late 70s and the early 80s, where you got those moral majority types talking about how horrible it was. And a lot of it was how mis- misogynistic it was. And then lo and behold, when you get to, I think, at the very least, uh, the early 2000s, but I think by the by the 90s, you had started to get that revisionism of that these were female empowerment films, that it was, you know, the woman was always the, the final girl, right? She was always the hero um, and and cast it in a different light. I think and, the truth lies somewhere in between. Well, I think it's a mixture of all those things. Yeah. And I'd also say with men, guys, I don't know if you know this, but you were disposable. That is why you are part. You were subjected to the draft. When last I checked, the women still aren't. Um, we 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 have just indoctrinated from a very young age to accept that men die, and men die in violent ways, and men like violent things, and therefore we often like put ourselves in situations that could result in us dying of violence. Um, Whereas societally, we, you know, so we're, we're, we're meant to be disposable. We have that, that sort of sense to us. Whereas so, society, so my, my, where wait, society wait, wait. looks at the other way and think women are the thing to be protected. Um, and so, so, we, so it's more horrific see to see this guy in horror films. It's, it's more out of the ordinary horrific or whatever when women die in horror films. While men, because of what you just said, you know they're they're disposable and and so when they die in horror films no one no one even blinks an eye right yeah i mean i can i'm sure if i looked and i because i remember incidences of it if i can't remember the specific films where you have an action movie where you know the the hero murders dozens of men you know shoots them down kills them without a, a problem but then a woman gets slapped you know and it's like oh my god the horrible violence against women in this film and they killed the dog yeah, or they killed the dog, right? Because really, women, are women are women really any different than dogs? But no. Um, wow. Ooh. <laughs> all hate no, I mean, directed to Mike. Please. But continue. you do have a special but, point, is, but that is a good example, right? Where we, we see things, we pick up women differently based on our societal norms. Just the same way we pick up dogs differently than we do people. Um and and we and we we still haven't cracked that code as to why people re- uh, so quick badly react to saying. Oh no, I, I, I cracked that code, Mike. People suck. That's why people get upset over dogs being killed in films. Yes. Well, well, it, it's it's kind of interesting because uh, there was a Senate race a few years back, um, and it actually was in, in your state, Barrett. So you may know both of the the, the people because they were both senators. Uh, Senator Rob was was running against. Uh, uh, why are we talking about politics? No, no, no. It has nothing to do with politics. It, it's just an interesting aspect, it it. which is no, no, not really. It, it's just their professions. So Senator Rob was run, running. He was the incumbent. And this guy named Webb was running against him. He, and what happened was Rob, to try to beat Webb, started saying Webb, who had a bunch of thriller novels, uh, spy novels, uh, said, quote, like, like he, he, uh, there was violence against women in the novels. 
and he was trying to use that aspect, which is what you were trying to say, Mike, that this is weird or, or disgusting or whatever. And yet everybody just laughed at Rob because it's like, it was, it's just a novel. He, he, he wrote books like Stephen King writes books that where a woman could die. It's, and so the point was, is that it was just stupid argument, similar to these arguments that some people, in other words, it was just agendas. And, and he was just using that as an opportunity to try to, you know, beat someone right. in, a, in a race and it backfired on him because it's just stupid. And say what you will about people sucking, Eric, people suck, but they aren't completely stupid either. Um, most people can recognize the difference between a story and real life. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, but but but, it's but everybody. Rob, but, but, but Rob, I didn't necessarily say it's much that, more that, than that was my point. Rob was trying to point it out, like, look, Webb or in in any author, Stephen King, they're they're evil because look what they did, and and it's most people, thank God, were smart enough to know. Oh, this well, that's a garbage stuff. argument to begin with. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. And and we also live in a world in which we have found a way to amplify the voices of the crazy people. Uh, who do things like post constantly on Twitter and Facebook and social media and, and Instagram. have podcasts, things like that, uh, where normal people are busy leading real normal lives and, and therefore are not out there broadcasting every thought they've ever had. Yeah, yeah, and that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I know, I know you were, you were adding a little joke in there because we do podcasts. But, you know, we're, we're just talking about movies. We're not, we're not, like, posting every, you know, that we just took a shit you know, two minutes ago. So, but there's people out there that do I'll that. I'll start doing that for you, Phil. Yeah. Well, well, oh, I should Yeah, I see your point. <laughs> I, I about, about human waste. <laughs> um, but, but it, it's just, yeah, that's a fair point. It, people have a voice now that is insane um, because technology can get it to everywhere. Yes. Anybody can. There are a whole lot of people that have voices that probably shouldn't. Right, right. Yeah, and when I saw those reviews, and there was a man... Mark Webster is in favor of dissent. When dissent came out, and people were saying, this is misogynistic, I was like, I can't believe I'm reading this. It's just characters. I never saw anything like that, Phil. You'll have to send me a link. Yeah, yeah, it was a while. It's not one of the most bogus things I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, it's just... it's. People are just strange. It's it's like you said, Eric. People suck. I just came upon something that's saying that Terrifier Two is officially put forward for Academy Awards considering. Yeah, I saw that earlier today. <laughs> well, special well, you know what, you know what, what's required awesome. for that is is just doing it. Oh, well, yeah. I know, but it's still uh-huh. funny. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because this isn't the type of film that would even be noticed. Oh, uh, like I, I, I knew a guy who uh, was nominated for a Pulitzer. And do you know? Uh, do you know how he got nominated for a Pulitzer? How's that? He paid the two hundred dollars and nominated himself, so that way he could oh, yeah. his resume. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's true. It's kind of funny how these awards and and uh, even even film festivals uh, talking to these indie uh, directors, they actually have to pay to get their film in. It's just like this is ridiculous. Like the, the Walk of Fame, right? The Hollywood Walk of Fame. It's not some recognition of achievement. It's I paid ten thousand dollars to get my name on the Walk of Fame. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So I mean, a lot of things are f- more fake than we actually think. It's kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think with the Walk of Fame, there is like actually some consider. Like, no offense, uh, Phil, you're not going to get your name on the Walk of Fame if you if you if you paid the ten thousand dollars. They sure, do have sure. some standards, uh, sure. and there apparently <laughs> is like a waiting list. Sure, but sure. Um, but if well, I, I don't know. Um, 
I would. I wouldn't want my if, name. If Adam on, Sandler, if Adam Sandler did, anyway. did pay ten thousand dollars, he wouldn't get his name on the Walk of Fame. Shall we talk about the movie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Adam Sandler is pretty awesome. All right. Uh, we've already been talking an hour and a half, and I don't think we've even gotten into the plot. Well, uh, yes. Getting us down these side trails. Since this one has one. Uh, all right. So uh, let's throw up the spoiler alert and just talk about everything and anything now, because as Barrett uh, mentioned, uh, um, we have been talking about uh hour and 20 minutes about important things, just things not specific to the actual plot of, uh, and the critique of the film. So uh, let's do it. All right. So what do we want to talk about? Where do we want to go? Uh, I, uh, oh. I will start by saying that I loved uh, the throwback aesthetic uh, to this movie. It really felt like something that was made uh, back in the eighties. Uh, and I was digging it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, uh, I, I feel, um, the first one was kind of like that too, but, but yeah, this one, this one, um, uh, since it wasn't a fluke, like the first one, this one, you know, it was more planned and, and all that because it already had a, um, a lot of stuff built in now that it had been popular from the 2016 film, which is crazy that it, that film is already that old. Um, yeah, this this one they were able to plan it that way, and everything about it definitely makes it feel like a a nineteen eighty something horror film for sure. I would concur. Any other thoughts, anyone? Yeah, I want to say I resent this movie. <laughs> one, I resent it because it gave us the Clown Cafe song. Yeah, could have done without that. <laughs> uh, so that's number one, and number two. Throughout the movie, I just couldn't get out of my head and thinking I'm just watching a live action Phil t-shirt <laughs> I, don't, I, don't understand, I don't understand that explain that I'm confused have you not seen the t-shirts you wear oh yes and yes the <laughs> outfit that she wears oh yeah 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 actually actually today uh, I have one uh, just like that as a matter of fact this one it's actually a cyberpunk chick uh, from uh uh, I, I, oh, actually, Barrett already saw it. I sent it to him earlier today. Yeah, it's actually posted on Facebook already. Yeah, it's Lucy from uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. It's yeah, good stuff. So that was my point. Um, yes, yes. This this girl's outfit—that's that, a T-shirt. Absolutely right, Mike. Absolutely. Um, I do like they give us um, a hint. A little bit, barely more than the hint of a of a new character, who I'm going to guess we're going to get more of in part three. Um, she doesn't have a well, she has a name, which is the Pale Girl. Mm-hmm. But you don't know that until you read the closing credits. I just called her Melody in my head because you have Art. So I just thought, what's the name that's similar to Art? I was like, well, maybe something music related, Art and music. So I just, <laughs> um. Well, and, yes. and and by the way, maybe I'm I'm off on this, uh, but one of my theories behind the, the the story of this movie is that uh, there's a reason the clown has the name Art. Oh, interesting. What's your theory? He was a big fan of Dudley Moore and the movie. No, because they they have the the father's sketchbook, right? Right. And he had been drawing Art the clown. So maybe he brought art into existence. That could be. 
like it. That's a fascinating thought. Oh, yeah. so you're saying that the father was creating a character mm-hmm. that he did, did for his daughter as the Valkyrie, and one of the characters was Ark the Clown, and similar to uh, uh, the Dark Half by Stephen King, by creating the character, he actually created the character. If you know what I mean. Well, and he also created the character for his daughter because we see her do some stuff at the end of the movie. Do you think his death had something to do with the creation? I think his his art had something to do with the creation, and I think he had visions uh, that were perhaps amplified. Um, We find out he has a brain. He had a brain tumor before he died. Maybe the brain tumor was amplifying it. but maybe he, had, maybe he had the ability um, to affect reality with his thoughts because well, even that his daughter might have the same power. Yeah. We want to thank Kindergarten Cop for making it so that I can never not laugh at a person with a certain specific uh, life-threatening condition. Um, <laughs> I don't ever laugh at such things, Mike. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I just, you just, you can't, you can't say, it's like, I got a tumor, you know, so it's not a tumor. It's just, it's not a tumor, but it just, uh, yeah, unfortunately, every time I hear that word, I also end up flashing back to that. Is is anybody picking up what I'm putting down here or am I out of my mind? Yeah, no, No, I like that. That makes absolute sense because for example, we've seen this in other genre things and I don't ask me for the specifics because I can't remember specifically, but we've seen stuff where they talk about, um, the brain has parts of it that aren't used. And if something happens to the brain, whether it's an accident or a d- disease, or in this case, a tumor, it could open up things that generally would, would not be there if you didn't have those conditions. So if that part of the brain is being used, you could, maybe see ghosts or you could see mm-hmm. another mention or you could see yeah, but, but, but that's mostly bullshit You're, you use your whole brain it just uh, parts of the brain adapt to be used differently i'm not talking science mike i'm talking about what we said and i said in movies and yeah but that's because movies are trying to say it's scientific fact it's not it's a, a wise okay please. can we just uh, argue, suck all please? the fun Thanks. out of yeah but, uh, yeah no, I, we understand your point mike it's fair it's fair but again i'm just talking about this mythology that they, they put in, in movies. And, and so in this case, this guy, like you said, was had unfortunate, the, the illness. And with that illness, maybe he, it created a supernatural ability that brought in all. I think it amplified it. It didn't create it because his right. daughter yes. has the same thing. Yes. Well, and I think it's if, a demonic presence that's inhabiting it. So it could be, you know, something with the demonic presence being brought forth to inhabit this art that he's created. Maybe. Um, I also think it might be genetic because the daughter sets her room on fire from a dream. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. She manifested that. So yes. so maybe it's something uh, in the family genes where he was manifesting things um, through his art and she manifested something through her dream. Now, what, let me ask you this, though. How does that, if we retro it back to the first movie, what did Art have to do with any of those characters in the first movie? Uh, nothing. They were just there. Them. Yeah. Gotcha. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. He was he was created through the dad's drawings and went out and started uh, murdering people. 
and uh, apparently the pale girl was the first one. Right, right. Yeah, fair enough. So yeah, and that that, that Eric, uh, I don't know if you thought of that on your own or you were reading the Red Bull and Reddits. Either way, it's pretty awesome. Uh, thank you. Yes. Um, I mean, so I did I, have that thought on my own. I have since read similar things online. Um, but it, I was thinking about it when I walked out of the theater. Right. And that's pretty cool because it, like, like when I walked out of smile, the first thing I texted was to Barrett. I said it, the movie was just like, it follows in the ring. And then when I went to Wikipedia, uh, one of the, it says a blurb from a critic. It says, uh, the movie is just like the ring and, and it follows. And I was like, Holy shit. <laughs> well, well, but this is, I've said, and people get annoyed when, uh, when movies and stories end up wrapping up in a logical manner. Um, it's, and then, and they weren't shocked or surprised. It's well, congratulations. You paid attention. You picked up the clues that they put down and you figured out a logical ending and the writers were willing to give a logical ending rather than go with a cheap shock out of nowhere that nobody could possibly have predicted. That made no sense. Um, if they're building towards something and have a goal there, then there will be signs, there will be clues, and a lot of people will start to come to them. A lot of people just make shit up completely at random. So when you get multiple people coming up with a similar idea, then that certainly gives it some credibility you know that that's probably you're picking up on on you're all picking up on the same things now you may not be interpreting it correctly or you maybe you are um but you know we'll see no and that's one of the reasons i'm definitely going to um uh pick up the blu-ray when, when it comes out um because i'm i'm totally interested in uh the director's commentary yeah me too well, I'm, I'm curious has anyone here watched all hollows eve no, that's actually. one. That's the one with uh, the original short film or, or anthology where one of the shorts have Rasta Khan, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. And the reason I'm asking that is there's a scene at the end of the film uh, where you get the sense that this is taking art back to his origins, and I'm wondering if this is a something we that you would have seen if you had seen uh, All Hallows Eve. And it's funny because I own a digital copy of it, and yet I have not actually watched it yet. Um, so I'm just wondering if that would like give like a little bit of light to this. Yeah. I uh, don't know. Yeah. That's, that's I a have it, fair point. Like, um, no, I've not heard anybody cause you know, you would have gotten that. Oh, I've been a fan of art, the clown since before it was cool crowd, you know, saying if you would actually see, well, actually, if you would seen, uh, all hollows, well, actually, <laughs> You would know who the little pale girl is because she's the character that was killed in All Hallows Eve too. You know, and, that's, yeah, that's I, usually when I know I can skip a comment is when it starts with actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and to be honest, most people did never saw that anthology and only saw it after 2016 when the the Terrifier came out, and then they said, "Oh, right. let's go look at it." So if they said, "Oh, I knew about art even before Terrifier 2016," then you know they're they're just yeah, that's when, like Eric just said, you shut them off. Just know they're posers because they have yeah. to tell you how important they are. Mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, so I'm, but I'm sure someone would have uh, brought that up if that was the case. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I'm sure. Well, well one of the explainers. And, and to be honest, though, I, I think the reason we haven't heard too much about it is because I bet you most people haven't gone back to see that. The, that those anthologies, right? I mean, 
even all the critics, all, if you read all the reviews, they, none of them refer to it except saying uh, something like uh, uh, Leon originated the character in a, a little yeah, scene yeah. anthology from 2012 or whatever. Yeah. Well, you and, know, the, and the original art was was a different actor, too. Um, so I don't want to I don't want to slander that actor because I haven't seen the performance. I have no idea how good it is. Um, but I really think there's something special with uh, David Howard Thornton. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I think he definitely makes uh, a difference, um, and, and that's a big part of it, right? Is I think that if Art Clown did not work in the first film, that the film first film doesn't work. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's that's almost inescapable. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 a couple of things. Obviously, the actor it was huge, absolutely huge find by Leon, but but. Um, also Leon creating that character is amazing as well, because again, if it was just some random slasher, the film could be just a random slasher film. Right. But because it's art, the clown and the actor, he found to wear that makeup that he created, Leon created, um, to make that character so uncomfortable, if not scary, um, is is what makes that film right? The original film. Um, you know, we we could say that probably for a lot a lot of films though, but most certainly, um, I would say hand in hand that the character and the actor make it what it is. Well, yeah, I mean, you could you could say that about a lot of things. I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark would have been uh, might have been a fine film, you know, because it was being directed by Spielberg uh, and. Uh, the story would have been the story, but if you had had Tom Selleck instead of uh, instead of Harrison Ford, it, it would not have been the same movie. The character might never have become as iconic as as he has. Um, and sure, and there's lots and lots of examples of where you just had a, a particular character, just really uh, actor rather, just nailed the character in a way that became to use a word that's already been abused to death in this uh, episode, iconic. Yeah, and that's fair. Yep. Uh, I remember that argument uh, between Siskel and Ebert over Silence of the Lambs and, you know, the arguing about um, who's the actor that originally played Hannibal Lecter in Manhunter? Yeah, Brian Cox. Brian Cox. No, oh, was it? Cox? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah and so the uh, I think the argument was over whether or not who should win best actor for that year. Should it have been uh, Warren Beatty for Bugsy or should it have been uh Hannibal Lecter uh, and Sir uh, Anthony Hopkins, and his argument was what I felt was I think it was Gene Siskel maybe who had made the argument that anybody could have played um, played that role and it would have been memorable. And Roger Ebert just countered, "Well, somebody has played that role and nobody cared." <laughs> you know? yeah, it, it, as we know, uh, Siskel was, was the moron of the two, but that's just my opinion. But anyway, continue. Mike. So, no, but that was it. That was the point. Is that, and we've seen this. We've seen other. We've seen places where uh, a character, different characters, or play, actors have played the same role. One just makes it sing. One makes it theirs. Except for the Joker. There were two. Except for the Joker, which for just that. about everybody manages to make exceptional, albeit in their own way. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's a fair point, Mike. Excellent point. Um, yeah, I mean, Anthony Hopkins made that character iconic and um as we we st- stated before uh, you know cox great actor that he is um 
that film, even if it wasn't as big or a bigger budget or biggest big stars, it was that version of Hannibal Lecter was just not as great by, by any means. That's a fair point. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else we want to talk about? Uh, again, we're in spoilers, so we can talk specific character. Oh, oh, we are in spoilers. Okay. So I really got a kick out of the laundromat scene, which I know is a little bit of a uh, of putting art in a mundane situation, like sticking him in the diner in the first film. Uh, but it was just funny to see him walk in, put his clothes in the dryer, and have him seem sitting there buck naked, uh, waiting for his laundry <laughs> get done i just i just found that hysterical uh even murderous clowns have to do their laundry well exactly right it's and that's that's those little little slice of life things that you don't get in most uh slasher films well and and he is also not human right so he doesn't know that it's weird to be naked in public well i'm not sure about that because i got the sense when he came back he was surprised that he he seemed confused a little bit. That that was my take on his performance, and I could be completely wrong about that. So uh, that that he came back to life, he's he's relearning things. Well, not that he's relearning things. I don't think he expected to come back. Oh, that's fair too. Yeah. So, see, I I I mean, I'm not going to completely piss on on Eric's theory because I'm making shit up too um, and any anyone could be right or more likely we're both wrong um, but I, I'm like wondering if uh, like the, the pale girl a uh, little melody I, I just took that image I, I think she's a she's a demonic force I think she's the thing that's animating art that she brought him back because she she has a special thing for him um, could be yeah and and so my sense is that she's what reanimated him. She yep. brought him back. Before that, he was just, you know, a psychopathic asshole. A particularly well-talented psychopathic asshole, but he was just a psychopathic asshole with a gun in his boot. Uh, and uh, was not expecting to be able to come back from the dead. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. That, that's a thought. Um and it would be an interesting way of getting around that dilemma of wanting to keep Art the Clown mysterious, right? And that you could still not ever really delve deep into his background and yet still explain character from what we've seen and actually transpire in the films. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that, that makes me wonder if this was his first time he actually came back um, well from what Mike was pointing out about his reaction I think it, it probably was because he did yeah. seem a little taken aback <laughs> yeah yeah that's true that's true yeah. no it may have been the fact that he came back and was missing an eye which he did eventually regrow mm-hmm. which I was weirdly glad to see I don't know why um <laughs> Like I, I just, I think probably for the same reason I wouldn't have wanted to see Art go through the entire film, just continuing to get more and more. I mean, he did, but like just building on the blood that he had from the first film, I was glad he did his laundry, just because that the image of Art in that striking black and white 
uh, is such an interesting image. And then having the fresh red blood in it. Yeah, the fresh blood spatters are, are more striking. Right, exactly. And that's just strictly an aesthetic thing. Uh, where I wouldn't have liked it if he was wearing like all brown, dingy, year old blood. Right, right. So the father, right, and the father is picking up some vibe, so I think psychic of some form, about this evil in the world. When did the father die? I think it was the, it was, the one year anniversary at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Okay, so that was based, and it's based pretty close to Halloween. Pretty close to Halloween the year before, right? So he was. So basically, he died when Art came back. I'm not a hundred percent confident in that, but it sounds kind of right. Yeah, that, well, that, he, that makes it more interesting, actually. Yeah. So right. So it's been a year since because Terrifier One happens on Halloween a year before. Right. Mm-hmm. And now we're a year later, so it's all within a few, if not exactly on that date. It's in that ballpark, um, and I'm going to assume that you know I'm not going to hold them exactly to every date that's in that film. But yeah, maybe he was picking on up something that was going on. Uh, I, I don't know if we're going to end up getting some sort of Necronomicon that had like you know Bruce Campbell and the Middle Ages picture in it in Evil Dead Two. If we're going to find some some prophecy of you know the the art the clown coming back or something, but I think there was some there may, he may to me I was thinking he probably might have been picking up on some uh, demonic force around art and it was channeling that and art may become the battleground for some little minor skirmish between good and evil um, and and obviously. Um, what was the other the actress the, not the actress's name the character's name Phil's our, t-shirt our main character oh yeah, yeah. my uh, Phil's Sienna. t-shirt yeah what was yeah. it again Sienna Sienna is going to be the the, the opposing force yep. um, Sienna Shaw Sienna Shaw so that's that's a very sketchy thing um, but yeah so I'm uh yeah, so I think that I like. I like that setting up of her character as the opposition to him. The idea that there will be someone to there to battle him and to oppose him. Um, because I think there's only so far you get with art just torturing people without having an opposite number. Mm-hmm. Without Agreed. there being... Yeah. You, you can't just have him be this anonymous figure wandering around murdering people the way that Jason was for most of his films. Um or that Michael, you know, was kind of doing and, and so on and so forth. I think you need to have some opposition for art so you can get something to develop out of it, something to add and to propel the story forward. So it's not just every Halloween, a crazy clown person comes along and murders people in the most gruesomely disturbing way and they keep their movie out of theaters. Um, it's got there's got to be more to it than that. Otherwise, it just gets tedious and repetitive. So adding a protagonist, adding mythology to it, adding you know some mysticism to it, um, and that's one of the things I, I never quite cared for in the slashers of the '80s. And you saw it with Michael, uh, not Michael. You saw it with Jason, and you saw it with Freddy. Is that every movie they'd come up with the definitive way to really, truly, finally kill him for all, and then they forgot that every serial killer has the power of the box office to resurrect them 
<laughs> and so then they had to conveniently forget that the, the one true way to kill him off was the way we did it in the last movie. But now we have a new true way to finally really forever kill him off. <laughs> and now, who knows, in 10 years, we could be looking at Terrifier 8 and talking about how played out the series is. But if he's looking at this as truly being just a trilogy, you know, he might be able to give a satisfying resolution and closure and a whole story arc. And I think that would be kind of cool, you know, which is having a slasher where the the, the, the mythology is kind of established from the start. And I think that would be, be a cool thing to do. Indeed, indeed. Barrett. You were the one that seemed most excited about discussing this movie, yet you said very little. <laughs> I've said a lot. Uh, I was just letting you guys talk. I don't want to interrupt. But, um, yeah, I mean, but my you, favorite. You have good things to say. Come on. Well, my favorite part of this whole movie was the kill um, of the friend in the house. Oh, good I Lord. Just, it was so brutal, and it lasted so long. And I just, when he tore her arm off by bending it back and forth. <laughs> Something about that scene just really stuck with me. Um, well, I'll tell you what. I didn't think I was going to laugh during this movie. Um, but I did laugh out loud in the theater when he actually left the room and came back with bleach and salt. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where, that's where the difference is, right? There's the difference between that character and Freddie and Jason and Michael and all, and, and even and Chucky and all the rest, is he doesn't give a shit about killing her. He's just going to have some fun and do funny things to her. Uh-huh. And he reserves the right to be the one to define what funny means. Yes. Um, and by the way, that goes to the other character, the holdover from the last movie, who survived without a face. Mm-hmm. Um, and who we also get to return this this film to. Um, well, and and in regards to the kill, um, I really like when the mom came into the room later, um, and I, I believe they uh, used animatronics, uh, but I could not believe it when the mom came in later and Art had obviously been there playing with her the whole time and she was <laughs> still alive. Um, I was just like, oh, my God. That is, ugh. It was brutal. It was truly horrific. Yeah, it was. I just, I like how that all played out, and you know how he just finally broke into her house and just kind of, you know, chilling out in her kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a high point of the movie for me. Yeah, that that's and that and that's the thing they got to do more of because of the pandemic. Yes is that they had filmed the film, they filmed that scene, and then because of the pandemic, they got to basically redevelop it and expand it and just keep going further and further with it. And otherwise, it was going to be a much shorter scene. And I just decided, let's make a day of it. Let's you know, turn it into a picnic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that after the film thing, they showed, you know, what the actors, you know, was willing to put up with for the whole scene and it was pretty incredible. It was neat. Uh-huh. Yeah, and there was a scene where it's very obvious in the I thought very at least to me an animatronic, as you said, Eric, but it's uh it's still a really effective one because of the emotion you manages to get out of it. 
they did again, they did the overdub well. Yeah, and doing it on a ninety-eight cent budget, you know, is uh, is, is pretty strange, but it helps when the director is willing to do it himself. Uh, Mike, Mike, you get a little tingy. Just uh, make sure you get a little close to your mic. Uh, but I'm as close to the mic as I'm going to get, Phil. Otherwise, uh, yeah. Now, now you sound perfect. You sound perfect. Um, yeah, uh, I would concur with everything you said, Mike. Um, now, let me ask you this: What's uh, to not necessarily switch topics, but it is a topic switch since we we do have a lot uh, we could talk about with this movie. Um, Barrett, when you said uh, this has the kill of the year for you. Uh, I almost interrupted you at that moment to say, which one? Because this is the one. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I think. It's, yeah, it yeah. just it's so long and he does so many horrific things to her. I've never seen an arm ripped off like a chicken wing. You know, I mean, like he's just ripping apart the bone. I mean, it's just it, it's yeah, it was just and then yeah. bringing the salt and bleach back. I mean, yeah, you don't get and it was that. even it was done way better than when Barbarian when they did that in Barbarian, this this one actually I could believe compared to Barbarian, which was just like yes. I thought was ridiculous. Um, but the thing is, is I wish I had filmed myself watching this film <laughs> because you know the reaction scenes, and it wouldn't have been reaction because I would be scared or or anything, but it would just be the WTF, you know, WTF. Right, right. Yeah, I can't believe they just did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um. Uh, let me ask you this, uh, Eric. Would, would this be possibly the the kill of the year? No, uh, it's in the running for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, 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 I think so. I, I, I was actually shocked they went and and they actually killed off the mother. You know, I mean, she was kind of a stinker, the mother. You know, but but she was she was a a, a a decent woman. She, you know, and and but. I couldn't believe they, they actually went there and, and they, they made I did not expect it. Yeah, I thought she yeah, was just going to walk orphans. in and see her dead. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that's what, what you usually see in a horror movie. But no, she gets killed too, and that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and even even more surprising, because, you know, that whole family gets wiped out. Then then they kill Sienna's mom too. Yeah. yeah I was shocked that. about that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that was crazy. And, well, and that whole whole girl or woman that that gets killed, you know, the the whole scene at the door when she was being a dink to Art, you know, just give him the candy. I would have just gave him the candy. It's like who cares if he's an adult <laughs> or not? You know, it's like uh, he dressed up. He, he deserves a candy bar. Why not give him the candy? So, so she she was being a jerk. Give him the candy. Well, she paid the price. She, she definitely did. paid the price, but I think she was going to pay that price whether she gave him. Candy. Yeah, I, yes. I, think, I think I think she was done no matter what. Yeah, it was too late for her. She was all gone. Yeah. What about the poor slob in the in the in the the store? Oh, man, <laughs> that was awesome. He got, screwed. <laughs> he got screwed just because he happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yep. But then again, most of the characters and all all of Art's victims, when you think of it. Not all, but but like in the first film, all the, his victims were just at the wrong place, at the wrong time. Here, there was a handful of them, but he also went after some of her, most of her friends too and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, I like just... how he walks up to the door, turns the sign, and locks it. <laughs> and then yeah, that was cool. Guy uh, running the store after yeah. paying for yeah. his horn. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I, I think the one person I felt the, the most sad for out of all of them was the. The girl that gets um, 
her, you know, not her boyfriend, you know, gets his, his tip of the cock chopped off. But that girl, she, I felt really bad for her. I didn't think she deserved it. Well, she, she did surreptitiously put Molly in her friend's drink. Well, that's that, that, <laughs> that, that a shitty thing to do. That not not realizing she was on medication that was going to fuck with it. Even oh, without well, medicine, that, doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't, doesn't make cool it okay. Do. <laughs> it doesn't make it okay, but I'm saying that made it even worse. Yeah, right? that, yeah. that, that level of carelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And she didn't that really take sense. responsibility for fucking that up. I mean, she's just like, oh, whatever. It's no big deal. <laughs> yeah, but was she was she malevolent or she was she just a stupid teenager? Stupid teenager. Yeah, that's what I think too. Yeah, because or you know, teenager. Yeah. Or right, 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 right. That's that's redundant. They're all that's malevolent. A, it, well, I, even even just stupid teenager, redundant, right? Yeah. <laughs> but and malevolent too. Yeah, all three redundant. Uh, I, I heard somebody I can't remember. Who, I don't remember who it was. Who was talking? Uh, but made the said the job of a parent is to be there, the uh, the frontal lobe of their children. Uh, because they have because they they have such bad judgment, you know the frontal lobe is what yeah. judgment comes in, and so it's like yeah, that's why you need to have parents because young people don't have developed frontal lobes. Um, I just I just discovered something tonight. Just talk about brains, and and Mike, we could keep you going for three hours. Probably. <laughs> so where I felt it got a little long was all the running around in the in the funhouse area. Um, well, that and the whole the the clown song Mike was talking about, I could have done oh, with the dream sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah the dream sequence. Too. Yeah, I could have done with the the dream sequence being maybe about a third as long as it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have a problem with it being there. I think it's a necessary component to her setting fire to her right, uh, right. her home because that sets up a conflict with her mom and a thing with her brother and. All of this stuff, um, but, but they could have had had just like a minute dream sequence or a thirty yeah, second, much shorter, sequence, like yeah. in right. a lot that, of films. But they had that go on for like, you know, a, a minute mini, mini film. Yeah, yeah, that 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 was like a five minute sequence because I know we went through the song many, many times. <laughs> um, at the yes. clown cafe. Yeah, okay. So I think that was it. I think they could have turned the end of it. Um, I think we do go for a while without really seeing much of art, um, which I don't isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, <laughs> You're desensitized yeah, well, already. <laughs> well, that's it. You don't want to be desensitized. You want if he's on screen, you want to be able to make use of his appearance. And there is a sense of well, he's in hibernation. He's in hiding until Halloween. Yeah. yeah. So until we really get to Halloween. It makes sense that we don't see him, and I don't want to see just some random uh, scene of art just to have art in it. Um, right, right. Well, well, and and by cutting some, him out of some of those scenes, they had like the rave scene may have been a little too long because of it, right? I mean, I, maybe art was in it a whole lot. It's just that he didn't feel like he was in it as much because there was a a lot of padding, right? Because it's an hour and 36 minute film or something like that. So like, for example, when, when she, it looks like she saved her brother and the dream of her mother appears to her in the, in the urinal or bathroom or whatever it was, that was still a 30 more minutes into the film. And you thought that was, I thought that was going to be the end of the film. It's, was like oh no thirty more minutes and I was like oh that's not is that good 
So I don't know, you know. So so yeah, I I think they could have cut out a lot of stuff, but maybe he padded it because he didn't want to make it look like art was in the film that long. What do you think? Well, I honestly I think probably the length of this movie is a little bit of an overreaction to some of the criticism you got in the original Terrifier. Because, uh, like, it, we, we, were, we weren't the only ones that were, like, there's no story here. <laughs> the reason <laughs> so, you shouted out you to want the a crowd. Story? I'll give you a fucking story. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's true. That's a good point. Not only did he have to give a story there, um, he, had to, he had to develop a, because he didn't just give a story. He gave us a mythology. Yeah. Right, and he, he had to set up stuff and he didn't and he tried really hard, I think, uh, not to give us just straightforward exposition. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, you have to be paying attention to put like all the facts and information, I think, together for the father until the very end. They don't just throw it out there at the beginning. Well, you know, your father died a year ago after going crazy and drawing strange pictures in his notebook. Mm-hmm. Um so they, they, they kind of seed a lot of that through. They are very patient in dealing that out. And I appreciate that they did that. Uh, the other thing would be um, they've, they've, this character is going to be a significant uh, portion of the art story. So they have to give her some development along with her brother and her and kind of her whole family. Right. In order for it to uh, resonate with the with the audience. And for them to give a shit about her, because right now all anyone cares about is is art. And so I think he had to develop her and that takes time, too. And then they had to develop. He he decided he wanted to develop her supporting characters for some reason, Uh, because we're all going to end up dead by the end of the film. Yeah, and I didn't mind that he developed the supporting characters um, because, you know, we just. Yeah, and, you know, we we just watched another pretty decent film, uh, Hellraiser, and we, we did a, a review on that. Uh, that'll either is out by the time people hear this, or will be coming out. And we pretty much all agreed that the supporting cast wasn't that developed, and and we knew they were just fodder to be killed. But at least here, I, I felt even though we we kind of knew most of them were going to be fodder to be killed, we at least empathized with them and understood who they were unlike say Hellraiser and, and not to say, insult that film because that was still a, a, a great film or a good film but here I think it was just done a lot better um, even if the film was a little longer than, than we expected oh, well I mean I've, I've long said I mean, uh, since the start of the podcast I think it's uh, the movie Reef I love the movie Reef the Reef um, but my one complaint was always that you know within five minutes exactly who survives to the end, and you know exactly who Ken and Potter is. Yep. Uh, you know, that, that, that is a thing in horror films. So, uh, yeah, it happens. Yeah, I think the only film that I ever was completely surprised about was Wolf's Creek, the original Wolf's Creek. That one, that one surprised me. Um, how, how it was done, because the, they switched perspectives of characters, and then the character that had the least screen yeah. time actually was the one that survived. Spoiler alert for a 25-year-old film. Yeah, and uh, another one for me was the movie Feast. I think it was another one that did that. Which one was that? Sorry, what? Feast? Did you ever see the movie Feast? 
Feast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was feast. a good one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point too, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, that was another one that surprised you. Um and actually, you know what? Black Summer was another one, right? The the T V show. Oh god, yeah. 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 So, so that I like I like that type of stuff. Game of Thrones did it to us too. Um so back to this film here. Um uh I did like how they had the final show off or face off, I should say, uh, at the, at the scary amusement park. That, that was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, you can't go wrong using a, either abandoned or amusement park in the middle of the night as a place to, uh, have as a theme in a horror film. And, and they, they used it well here. So, Although I would agree with I, some, I can't remember who said this, but somebody said that the it went on a little too long in this location. I would I would agree with that yeah, a little that. bit. Um, but it was a great location. Yeah, it was, it was a good location. Was. There was a little bit of a lot of wandering back and forth. Yeah, and characters that. crossing paths and mm-hmm. like uh, and like why didn't they run into each other more often? It was. Um, I understand it's a it's a it's a amusement park maze, but those aren't intended to lose people for 20 minutes because you need them to move on and spend money in other places. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. you know, they give you the origin of the, of the film because the, the ride is called the terrifier. Yes. That's right. Uh, and I will say like one of the moments that, that kind of exemplifies what I was saying about the, the cruel nature of art that kind of makes me wince um, was during the final showdown. There's a sequence where um, he is, whipping sienna with chains um it just went on and on and he was having such a good time i was like oh my god when is this gonna stop and he did it to the brother too you know and the brother's like this little kid and it's like oh my god it's winced yeah oh and then she became sadistic too and then she started doing it to art it's like holy (laughs) jesus i mean it's like like 15 minutes of of people beating or or demons beating each other up with well and I also couldn't believe when Art actually started eating the kid's leg. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> when a cannibal is under this? <laughs> well, it is Art. And, and based off of what we see with Art, anything goes. And, and he's actually, kind of a demon more than anything else. Yeah, so he's not really a cannibal because he's not a human, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so you want, you know what that makes him? It makes him better than the people because he's not <laughs> Where the prey and did he eat? Right, like right. Yeah, he he was just killing us. Like, he may be uh, an evil clown, but at least he doesn't suck. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's a fair point, Barrett. He is a demon, right? So I mean, he's definitely a supernatural being. He's not a human. I, you, but you never know, right? They may. Turn he is either and- supernatural in and of himself, or being manipulated by supernatural forces. Or yep. or or he's like Freddy. Where he was human once, but then he became a demon. Possibly. Yeah. So we don't know yet. Well, we, we well, well again, it, my my theory is that's what happened in the last film. Explain. I, I did that. That he died in the last. <laughs> film. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, so you're oh, notice. so you're saying in the last film he was human. I, I thought that's he was a my demon even in that film too. Okay, I see. I was confused. What you meant? Oh, yeah. I, no, because I, they yeah. and in. And in fact, they've said, Damien Leone said that his intention was not to bring Art back. 
And then he realized he probably should in case they want to do a sequel. So um, that's why they filmed that little resurrection scene at the end. Uh, so gotcha. when he was making the film, he was thinking Art was human. That when Art died, he was going to die. Mm-hmm. And then he changed his mind at the last minute. And I kind of... Now, again, I could be completely wrong about this. And uh, we've talked about fan theories in other podcasts that we've done, uh, usually about TV series. And fans can get so tied up in their own little fan theories that when their fan theory turns out to be wrong, that they resent the thing they're watching for not right. validating their fan theories. So yep. I am perfectly fine to find out I'm completely wrong. I'll even be finer to find out Eric is completely wrong. But... Um, <laughs> No, but if Eric is right, that's great. Okay, fine with that. Um, because these are these are just ideas. We're we're given a little bit of evidence, little bits and pieces here and there. But if for some reason, you know the you know the world ends tomorrow, I'm going to the grave believing that that's what happened. Um, I do want to know, by the way. I'm speaking of the little the pale girl, like a little melody mm-hmm. there. Uh, she appears in the first time to us in the barber shop, not the barber shop, the um, laundromat. Laundromat. I don't know why I went to barbershop. Uh, and then I don't. She does a thing while she's sitting there, which endears herself to Art. Uh, and I don't know what exactly it was she did. Do we remember what she did? I mean, they were playing patty cake. Yeah. Now before the patty cake, where she either I don't know if she shit herself or oh, oh that yeah. yeah or if that, that was supposed oh, that to be was nasty whatever it was yeah, yeah, I don't, whatever I don't, came out of her was gross. And I just, I'm not sure what part of her it came out of. <laughs> right. Let's just not explore that. There's a, there's a lot of holes in that area. Uh, that, let's that, just walk away from this one. Okay. So nobody, so nobody <laughs> knows. Okay. No, I did really enjoy the look of that character, though. Um, and it was interesting how in that scene they made a point of showing you that the dude sitting there in the laundromat cannot see her so she's a figment of art's imagination apparently but then later in the movie um the brother and sister can see her so that's that's really interesting um and i think points to some connection between uh the brother and sister and art thus um oh i I think my theory about the dad well they're they're absolutely uh, something magical, some magical connection there going on. But that could, again, just sort of be a, um, you know, like a dream warrior kind of thing in Freddy. Right. Uh, they're sibling because uh, their their father created him. Maybe. That's my theory. I don't know if it's true. I'll find out on the commentary. So they were spawned by dream semen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What is the matter with you? Oh, Parrot's idea. <laughs> oh, Mike. I'll own it. Ooh. Mike. No, but I, I really did enjoy the look of the pale girl. I yeah. think it's kind of odd um, that she's his first victim. Uh, and then she kind of shows up by his side. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, so that is a little weird. She I, did I don't a great get job in that role too, the actress. She oh yeah, yeah. Amazing. Well, if she ends up being, um, if she ends up being a, uh, a demon, which she seems mm-hmm. to, 
you know, as opposed to the spirit of that dead girl. So the girl just may have taken a form. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. That he would respond to. Yeah. Cause she does, she does a little matter trick with his head at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I I gotta say, um, you know, Mike, you always bring this up. Um, when you can find young actresses or actors, um, or in other words, children, uh, that, that really perform well for a film, you luck out big because we look at her and we look at Jonathan who plays is the brother. She was not to piss on, on his performance, but she was so much better. And then he was, because there were some scenes where you could, you could, you could just tell that he was an amateur actor while she, I'm sure was an amateur too, but she was just spot on every, every scene she was in. It was just unbelievable. Well, she also had a much more limited role, right? He's, yeah, he's, that's true. Actually, that's true. He actually had to act. He actually had to show emotion and motivation, and she just had to shit herself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that said, you could you can make that same argument with art, you know. But we just went through talking about you know how awesome uh, David uh, Howard Thornton is in that role, and that you know you can't just stick somebody else in that part. And necessarily get the same results. Mm-hmm. How tall is he? Oh, he's tall. He's tall. <laughs> yeah, so I was wondering. He looks like he towers over most people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having stood across from him in an elevator, he's a tall dude. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, what else? Uh, anything else that anybody wanted to bring up that? was on your list that we haven't brought up yet. 6-2, according to IMDb. Hmm, interesting. Oh, but I've seen taller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm taller than him. I'm, I got yeah, him by him. Right? You don't look taller than him. But, but you, you Stop slouching. Yeah, I know. My wife always says that. And my parents <laughs> say that too, but I, I slouch too much. Yeah, it's true. I don't know why I do that. It doesn't look good. Um, I find were there other. I mean, I, it's terrible. I know there were other kills, and I'm not placing <laughs> them right now. Uh, there was. Well, there and was I'm the, gonna I'm gonna bring this up again since I, I'm pretty sure I brought it up in the in the in the original Terrifier discussion. I know I brought it up at the Q and A uh, with with Damian Leone and David Howard Thornton at uh, Scarecon. Uh, art's use of guns. I don't like it. <laughs> I, I I just don't. I don't like it. Um, the fact that he killed the mom with a shotgun was bogus, in my opinion. Should have been some kind of hacky, slashy, rippy kind of kill. Well, I, you know what? I think he got such a great reaction from the gun in the first film. That yeah, and I don't get that. Even I don't want to... guns in my slashers. Oh, I thought it was awesome. When, when he when, guns. When guns he are lazy. The, when he pulled out the gun in the first film, I was like, so yeah, lazy. That was lazy, awesome. lazy, lazy. I don't know. I thought it was pretty awesome, but yeah, yeah this one here, I, I didn't think it was as good because it was the kid that that kind of used it. So I wanted I wanted to see Art pull it out and blow someone's brains out. That would have been <laughs> awesome. He did. Yeah, I know, I know, but I mean, like earlier, like like 
<laughs> like, sooner. I want yeah. more gun violence. All gun violence. All the time. I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to see him do it to, like, the, say the... I want this movie to be Death Wish. That was a good movie. So, yeah, I, I wanted it earlier. How's that? Um, let's see. What else do we have? Uh, anybody have anything else on the list that we haven't brought up yet? Um, I'd be curious to know. Um, doesn't really matter. Um, but apparently there is some, uh, I don't know. Controversy is too strong of a word. Um, some questions around the age of our lead actress, uh, Lord Lavera. Um it's like I don't think her, her actual birth date is listed anywhere. Uh and I've seen some some crazy theories that this woman is in her forties. Um which would blow my mind because she was playing a teenage girl in this movie and it was pretty believable. Um so she's got some some great useful looks going on no matter what the case is, because her, I read something else that said she had referred to herself as a '90s kid. Um, so, so who who knows what her actual age is? But the fact that she can still pull off teenager is uh, pretty awesome for her. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would concur. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to tell. I mean, she's definitely. Well, I don't think she's forties. That would be ridiculous. What's that again? That, that would be, but I can't believe she'd be forties. Um, and nineties. I'm just kid, telling I mean, you what I read. I'm not. I'm not putting any stakes on its validity. Nineties <laughs> kid would really depend on, you know, because nineties, like born in ninety, she would be thirty two. Mm-hmm. So it depends on how she defines being a nineties kid, right? Because um, she could have been born in ninety five, which now puts her in her late twenties. And there's some people who, in their in uh, their their late twenties, can get away with being confused right. for for high school age. Because I can tell you, when I first started teaching, I don't think I was. I think I got the this, the student price at the at the cafeteria until I was in my early thirties, uh, <laughs> and they realized I wasn't graduating. Right. Well. Well, Mike. Um. You know, we we watched The House of the Dragon, and the the woman up or girl, depending on your perspective, um, that plays Queen Rhaenyra. Is it Rhaenyra? Yeah, Rhaenyra. Um. We looked. I think. It was Sean Fox on the podcast looked up her age and, and yeah, she's like in her late twenties, I think, and she's playing someone that is very young. So it it happens. Now, Eric, you said this actress here was was born in in the nineties then? Is that right? No, I have no idea. Oh, okay. People are I'm I'm just saying that people are theorizing about her age and yeah. she's never addressed it directly. And, oh, even on IMDAB, really? Yeah. This thing uh-huh. that I just found says she's. We can't hear you, Barrett. Can't hear me. Uh, now we hear you. Go ahead. Uh, this thing I just found says she's forty-four. Yeah, I read something along those lines too. Seventy-eight. And that would blow my mind if that's true. So, so we're in seventy-eight. She's not a nineties kid. So, so right, right. So the lead actress, Lauren Lavera. Uh, is could be forty two is what is of undetermined age. I mean, I yeah. look at myself as an eighties kid because I was a teenager in the eighties. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was born in the eighties. Right. So this woman would be older than my wife. 
yet she's playing someone that's a teenager. That's pretty interesting. Right. If, that's if not, it's true. And it, like, I, I have no idea if that's true or not. Right, but right. Some people have said it, and it would blow my mind if it's true. Right, right, right. Yeah, because I would have guessed in real life, you know, just just looking at her. But again, early twenties, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would have said she's like twenty four or something. Yeah, you can't tell anymore. I, I, I say that all the time. Yeah, whether they're twenty four or forty four, they they you just can't tell. <laughs> right. Uh, well, you, you can, but uh, you know, or, or you go to jail. So. Uh, yep. So always ask for ID. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, or at least have a story. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> um, that yeah, so that's an interesting trivia aspect if it's true. Um, but I thought she was great in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Jason Lloyd actually said he thinks she's the best uh, lead for any horror f- film this year. So, and, you know, and you know, Jason Herb, Jason Lloyd is a little hyperbolic sometimes because he does say Halloween sometimes. Things. Yeah, well, I'm trying to be polite. Here. Um, we, we all can be hyperbolic sometimes, but you know, he, he said Halloween ends is the is the Some best. Of more than others, Phil. Best film ever. You said um, Halloween's end. <laughs> Halloween ends is the best horror movie of the this year. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's my. A, yeah. So, so, but, but, I could, could, I could at least buy the fact that he could say this. This girl was the best final girl or best, you know, horror actress of the year. That's fair, but obviously. Halloween ends. That's there's something wrong there. I haven't put any <laughs> thought to ranking, but she certainly had a solid performance. Yeah. She did. She did. Oh, especially at the end when she was she was going nuts and she was all bloodied and in mm-hmm. in her her Valkyrie uh, outfit with the with the um the crop top. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Oh, and so let's, just, let's just make sure we get the- anyway. Uh, anything else anybody uh, wanted to bring up that we have not brought up yet? I think I'm good. Yeah, I think I'm good too. All right, uh, I think that's pretty much it. So uh, since uh, we recorded a, a good amount, we'll have to do uh, what we've been watching and stuff uh, for next week. Um, but uh, we can do some other things here. Which is uh, Eric? What other podcast did you do with your buddy Dan? I do a general interest podcast called the Scancity Podcast. That's spelled A S K A N C I T Y. You can get it wherever you got this one. Excellent. And uh, Barrett, myself, and you with a rotating. Uh, co-host uh, do another podcast that uh, we just actually released one last week uh, about a Disney uh, show called The Werewolf Moon or something. I forget what it was called. But <laughs> I've got to work on your take psychotronic reviews. And yes, we did Werewolf by Night, as Mike just said. Um, and have you released that yet? Did you release it? Yeah, last week. Yeah. Last week it was released. Yeah, so you can listen to that now. Um, we have a couple other ideas that should be coming up in the next month. Um, we'll probably be releasing those fairly fast as we've uh, lessened our podcast amount a little bit by two right now because uh, we were doing two shows. That we'll be, uh, so we'll have more time. Uh, and Mike, uh, me, you, and Eric are probably going to be recording an episode within the next couple of weeks uh, with another podcast that we do. Yes, that is the semi-annual cinema a la carte, uh, where you and Eric and I take turns picking a uh, quote-unquote classic film, uh, or at least a film that we really like a lot, and uh, and discuss it, something that is not 
normally going to be a Dark Discussions uh, film or maybe something that is a borderline Dark Discussions topic, depending on how one defines it. And uh, we, this all started because uh, apparently some people want to discuss uh, every movie Tom Cruise has ever made, and yet we have not discussed them. <laughs> so it was actually it started from a wanting to discuss the Mission Impossible films, and we have yet to discuss one of them. But anyway, so uh, yeah, the the last film was uh, I don't remember. It wasn't History of Violence, was it? Uh no, it was uh, uh the last one it was reported was the game, but I don't know if it's been released. That has not been released yet, but it will become. Okay, shortly. so we've done the game, we've done history of violence, so there gives you an idea. Still darkish films, uh, but we also did Inside Out, we did Flash Gordon, uh for things that were a little bit more fun. Um we did collateral and, and then too, right? We did collateral, but that goes back on the darker end. Yep. Unless you have a very weird definition of of comedy. Um That's a happy movie. So, uh, Hostels was another one. Stalit was another. Uh, the, the Edge. There was another kind of fun one, though. Also, a, a history of Phil's favorite movie. Oh my god, that history was so scary. Violence. Yeah, history of violence. Yeah, that the Edge was like insane, dude. That was like nuts. <laughs> was, worst one. It was all of Phil's worst scary. fears come to life. Oh my god, dude! Knock on wood. Didn't even fire the bear. Scary. Oh my god, dude! Bears don't want to hurt you, Phil. They just need a hug. <laughs> Dude, like I said, said when you go to the gas station, make sure you buy the bear spray. What's bear spray? Hell? Exactly. What is bear spray? Right? It's like bear, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was probably one of the. It, for me, it sounded normal, but I could see why most people would say that was the most left field comment ever on the podcast, besides asparagus. No, I, I just thought of. I had literally never heard of it until you made that comment. And then I swear to God, in the month after you made that comment, I it came up in in my life like four other times. I'm like, what the hell? Where did the bear spray come from? <laughs> well, that's just further evidence that you were not living in a real world, but uh, yes. a simulation. Uh, and that, sure. that, that, that bear spray was Mike. included in the latest update to the software. That's part of the that's that's the new expansion pack. Is the bear spray expansion pack? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the pain and agony that life is and existence is. Believe me, it is a. It has to be all a scam, computer program. <laughs> but I will say this, Eric. When you use the bear spray, you don't supposed to spray it on yourself because it's mace. You spray it at the bear. That's right. I sent you that article about the the woman who sprayed herself right. with the bear spray. People are stupid and they suck. Yes, people are stupid and they suck. Yes. And sometimes they do something bring joy to all the boys and girls, like spray themselves with bear spray. <laughs> 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 to be honest, I wouldn't mind taking the bear spray that I own and spray people with it, to be honest. Get away. Get away. Some of them deserve it. They do. Um, also, uh, we, we just wrapped up two podcasts. Uh, a Decimation of Dragons, a House of the Dragon podcast, uh, which you can find uh, wherever podcasts are found. And uh, She-Hulk, Avenger of the Law, uh, She-Hulk podcast based off of the Marvel Disney show, She-Hulk Attorney at Law. So that just wrapped up as well. Uh, as stated earlier, maybe offline or during this episode, I can't remember. Uh, a lot of other episodes are going to be start pop up now that uh, I don't have to uh, edit 
um, weekly podcasts on TV shows anymore since they, we just wrapped those up. So expect Cinema a la Carte, Halloween Boutique, Psychotronic Reviews, and a number of uh, older Dark Discussions episodes that start popping up on your feed. So a lot of stuff is going to be coming out. Hey, and, um, and Phil, you know how you can keep that time? Go ahead. Don't uh, make new TV podcasts. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 well uh, you know, every so often something pops up, but uh, I don't see anything coming up that that uh, anybody has suggested. So uh, you may be right for a little bit, Eric. Indeed. indeed. Um, all right. So I guess we can give our final thoughts on this film here. So, uh, Eric, why don't you start? Uh, I like this film. I want to watch it again, uh, particularly with the director's commentary. Um as I said, uh, some of the way the violence is done is a little much for me personally. Um, but if you are a gore hound, this movie is for you. The gore is exceptional. Um, love art, the clown. Um, I thought Sienna was a great lead character. Um, I, I like this movie, uh, even though it was a little long for, for my taste. Um, and I'm really glad to see it succeed. All right. Uh, for me, uh, yeah, this was a really good film. Uh, excellent follow-up to what I felt was uh, a great film. Um, it is creating a character that is becoming, if not iconic to everybody, to horror fans, it's becoming uh, really popular. Uh, definitely worth checking out, especially if you are not squeamish. And uh, I recommend and hoping to see uh, a third Let's go for you, Barrett. Yeah, I love this film. Um, it's great for the gore, as Eric said. Um, I'm a gore hound. I love how well they can do that on film. Um, I thought the story was pretty good as well. Uh, it's probably going to be my number one film this year. We still have a little time left, so it could be beaten, but I don't see it being beaten. All right, sounds good. And let's go for you, Mike. Yeah, I like this film a lot. Um, it, it's, it, it just has improved, I think, on, on the original in every way except for time management. Um, I think the, the lead actress uh, has a really sh- good shot of winning my Hero of the Year award. Uh, obviously, Kill of the Year is, uh, is certainly in the running as well. Um, it's, and Art is on his way to becoming a horror icon. Um, so just to use that word one more time, drink, <laughs> dude, and Barrett. I already went. Yes, you did. <laughs> I don't know why I asked you again. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this is the test. This was Barrett. You passed. Congratulations. <laughs> it did. The match hasn't started yet. <laughs> Too funny. All right. So uh, once again, this is a brand new film. Uh, it came out. Uh, early October. Uh, it still may be in theaters now, but not for long. Um, it's getting great reviews uh, and is kind of becoming a, if not a, well, a cult classic in a sense, maybe. Uh, at least the character is. So uh, definitely check it out if you have the ability to do so, because again, it is not available yet on VOD. And the rumor is, is that it'll only be on the bloody disgusting Network, which is a, a new network, like Shutter or something. So it's on Screenbox. Screenbox, there it is. Yeah. So 
it may be tough Apparently for you to see. Apparently it's already it. on Screenbox, and then we'll be on it DVD, is. I think, yeah. on December 1st. Okay, there you go. So, so there, there's some you can already pre, Yeah, you can pre-order it on Amazon already. Yeah, but I don't think you'll be able to rent it VOD anywhere. So, I think uh, Best Buy is going to have a four have the a 4K version from what I saw in an article. Nice, nice. We all we have to do is have have some person buy the movie and have the kids watch it and go and then sue Best Buy or something like. I can't believe they're selling this trash. Remember, someone scrupulous bastards are passing around torrented versions. Just saying. I know it's true. It's terrible. It really is. Anyway, uh, so that's pretty much it. So uh, until next week. But either way, uh, let's end this. And uh, Eric. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Let's talk about Terrifier 2. Come back next week. We'll have another topic.